We're here, we're live, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Robert Adelenby Studios for the Sports Detention Potty, my co-host. How you going, mate? Yeah, well, mate, well, mate. Good evening, everyone out there. Ready to go, mate. It's been a massive week. Massive week. I mean, we say it every week, but this week has been particularly huge. Big. Big. Mm. Large. Yeah, so without further ado, mate, should we just rip on in? Let's get stuck in. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Sports Detention Podcast. We're here for another round of your analysis, sports and entertainment, brought to you by nothing but two consummate professionals, if That's I don't say myself. Well, mate, I agree 100%. You know, we, we're, we're diligent in our research and our details. We pride ourselves on our product. That's right. And knowing things and talking about things. Yeah, very, very... Uh, Sound like a consultant, mate. Well, very, mate, very vague. sort of vague. Yeah, you got to be. You got to be vague. You. That's right. That's right. And you got to sound confident while you're doing. It. Mm, absolutely. Uh, speaking of confidence, and um, you know the look or mm. the observation of things, mate. What's caught your eye this week, buddy? Mate, first thing that stood out to me, Peter Bowl. Spag Bowl. Yep, Spag Bowl. You know him. Or uh, him, I, mean, I, I don't know him personally. Mm. I mean, we haven't crossed paths, but um, you know, I've I've been a I've been an observer for a, observer from a distance, so to speak. So, for those who are unaware of who Peter Bowl is, an Olympian, mm. a hell of an athlete, an eight hundred meter runner. In fact, finished fourth just outside the medals at the Tokyo Olympics. Sort of entering what you would probably call the prime of his career at the mm. moment. And he um, was struck down earlier this year because he tested positive um, to a banned substance. So as we've seen from the World Anti-Doping Authority before, stood down. Yep. Yep. Not and But something very unusual happened. And I say unusual because it doesn't it, – it, it's very rare for this to happen. His B sample actually came back negative. Yeah, okay. And, and he's officially been cleared this week, and so he's able to return to, uh, to active competition. He's over in Europe at the moment. So uh, great to hear Peter Bowles back in action. Mm. Uh, I did a, a little bit of reading on this, and the uh, WADA, the World Anti-Doping Authority, found that Bowles' initial positive drug sample Yep. Uh, for the presence of EPO, yep. which led to him being provisionally suspend, suspended, should have actually recorded, should have been recorded as a negative. Okay. So we're talking sort of measurement units mm. here being the issue. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, oh, I mean, that's that opens up a can of worms, that old one. That's um, the first thing I thought. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I felt really bad for Peter Boll. And yeah. obviously it's, you know, taken, a, I'd imagine, a fairly significant emotional toll on you. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I know it's worked out quite well in the end, but, um, you know. Oh, it's a, it's a roller coaster, that that's one. That's right. Um, I suppose EPO, every, you know, most um, sports enthusiasts who have heard about performance enhancing, especially when you 
come into endurance events such as the Tour de France and the like have possibly heard of EPO, urethropoietin is um, what the abbreviation is of. Um, so obviously it's generated naturally from mm. the body. Um, that's essentially why you would go to altitude yep. is essentially to restrict uh, your body of um, the presence of, of hemoglobin or your red blood cells. So your, um, your hormonal system will then release the EPO to generate more red blood cells. So it's a, it's a bit of a process that goes through that. So um, I'm being very, very general here. Um, However, it's it's very, very popular amongst athletes in mm. terms of improving cardiovascular output and obviously the presence of, of oxygenated blood within the system. So I think you find AFL teams quite often go and do some altitude training. Oh, yeah, it? absolutely. Yeah. I mean, altitude training is a method that yeah. athletes will undertake to try and, you yeah. know, obviously um, create the same yeah. Um, outcome, I mean, obviously you can take exogenous EPO, which athletes often do, which is, you know, a lot easier than going and paying for a hotel up in the mountains. Yeah. So, um, and then obviously you've got the issues where you look at the cyclists who were doing blood doping were essentially having that heightened blood extracted, you know, at a time where there was a large yeah, okay, presen- yeah, yeah. presence of, of red blood cells, oxygenated blood, and then having that um, put back into the system essentially. So, yeah, blood doping, that's that's what that's from. So, I mean, we've just bored the yeah. listeners and I'm not wearing a lab coat either, so I have absolutely no authority to speak like this. Um, however, it's really, really interesting that you talk about the testing procedures and you talk about the B sample because regularly within um, – when you talk about doping – Mm. It is very, very rare for a B sample to come back negative. Yeah, incredible. Like you know, generally yeah. the the consensus around around the water cooler is, oh, well, if the A samples come in positive, there's a darn good chance the B samples coming in positive as well. Yeah. The issue here is there could be a presence of EPO. However, the second test there is it's or the or the first test has gone so gone positive, fitting just above. A ratio of allowance mm. and you know i'm speaking completely bro science here i don't know what the the units of measure are for epo with water i haven't done any any research on that but the issue is and a lot of the time you know it's talked about when you are testing for these sorts of things is the tests are so good now that you could be having a pulsing issue where just for a specific period of time your body is generating a larger amount of epo or you know when the measurements of the drug test are so close to what your body's naturally generating as well that's going to cause issues and Mm. you know then there's obviously the flip side of that where you know people are cheating yeah you know people are just cheating so the fact that peter bowles had to sit out for a period of time he's probably not known what his future looks like i mean that's that's a pretty pretty big punishment and you know at the end of the day between peter and and he's got old-fashioned conscience he'll know whether he's cheated or not but um he's been given the all clear yep and so should be back in action oh good yeah um next thing that caught my eye staying in the world of sport as we do uh, farewell, buddy. Buddy Franklin, Lance Franklin, yeah, Hawthorne and Sydney Swans great uh, has given it away. Goal kicking sensation. Could I say founder of the ten year contract? Yes. Well, who was first, Dally or Buddy? 
Ooh. I would have to say Buddy. I think it was Buddy. Yeah. I, I remember hearing about it at the time going, wow, that is mm. just enormous. I remember hearing it at the time going, geez, some of us just really want to get out of Melbourne. Mm. He must <laughs> just have had an absolute <laughs> gutful. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I um, but you know, he went up to Sydney. He's played there for what is it, ten years now? Yeah. Um, and I heard the question asked on the the radio yesterday. You know, he, two grand finals, didn't win a flag there. Was it worth the investment? Um, oh, I, I that's yeah, that's that's a. I think that's a silly way of looking at it. Really, to 100%. be honest with you, hundred percent from Buddy's perspective as an individual i mean he was so successful at hawthorne that whatever happened at sydney as long as he was happy you know he made his his cash he was in the area in the area that he wanted to be in terms of his personal life and the like i think that was a win for him Mm. but i mean the swans they made two grand finals obviously haven't picked up a win that's disappointing but you know you can't not say it's successful yeah you can't have that in the in the contract, can you? You can't yeah. say, "Oh, well, you know, it, you, we'll give you eight million, but it'll be an extra two at the end if you, if you, if you win the couple Ooh, of flags for that's us." That's a decent idea, though. Mate. <laughs> that's a decent idea you pose there. Oh. So, yeah. So, Franklin, unfortunately, injury. Yeah, and um, he's been injury ravaged for the last two or three mm. years as the body gets older. The AFL plays a fairly significant toll uh, on the you know hamstrings. Question for you though. So, so we talked about the ten-year deal. Mm. So, when that ten-year deal was signed, and all the the criticisms that could have been posed towards it, I'm, I'm obviously can't remember really, but I'm sure there was plenty of them, especially the length of the deal. Mm. Looking back at it now, how he's played in the last, let's say, eighteen months on the back end of a ten-year deal, would you say that it's been successful? That he has you know, fulfilled the obligations of that deal? Like, definitely. Hasn't I, fallen off a cliff, has he? No, definitely not. I think he's um, he was an absolute star, an absolute gun for probably four, maybe five of those years. Mm. And over the last few years, he's 100% contributed. And you've got to look at it from the point of view of, um, you know, the attention that he's brought to the game in New South Wales as well, bums on seats, mm. mem- memberships, just, you know, he's a he's a – you know, a star, isn't he? He brings people to the game, buddy. So I do mm. remember at the time, though, all the talk was that he was going to Sydney, but he was going to GWS. And then yeah. the Swans came out of nowhere, and um, and next thing you know, the deal was signed. And and you think about that. Obviously, the, the Swans have some, some pull in terms mm. of Sydney because, you know, you're living in the eastern suburbs. Yeah, that's you know, right. If, you, if you're playing for the Swans, I mean, a lot of the GWS players probably live central Sydney, I, I'm guessing there, but... You know, for the Swans to be able to walk in, they were always going to get get a head start on yeah on negotiations there. So well done, buddy. We love you here at the Sports Attention. Yeah, well done, mate, and enjoy your retirement, mate. Enjoy, mate. You've earned it. What's caught your eye, mate? Mate, um, speaking of guns, guns. Um, I couldn't help but come across a video on the weekend, mate, um, of a young, uh, I, I'm going to just throw it out there, pure speculation, young six-year-old who was just tearing it up in the junior league. I would suggest he's even on the cusp of the NRL. Mm. Have you seen this video, Potty? I've seen this one. So this young fella, and many of you guys would have seen it on the socials, we, we'll share it again on our, our Instagram page. Um but he just comes through and he's absolutely just carving and swatting the whole opposition off like flies. Now, um, 
I mean, he's got uh, what can only be described as a, a tied-up Billy Ray Cyrus mullet. Yep. Uh, he appears to be of, uh, of Pacific Island origin, the young fella. And, mate, he is putting his size to work. Um, what do you think about that, mate? I, I had a few comments around it where mm. I'd, I'd showed others um, yep. by the water cooler, but oh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on not only the uh, the skills that he shows, but, um, yeah, how do you feel for those other young kids who are flying across the field? Well, yeah, he, he'd certainly be uh, – well, he's the um, – uh, he's a lot – Taller than the other kids for starters, <laughs> and he let's let's call a spade a spade. The argument would be around weight divisions. Yeah, the argument would be around weight divisions, which I know is a, a touchy subject um, uh, as far as uh, rugby league mm. is concerned. Um, yeah, but the the other players on the field don't appear to be have have much of an opportunity to be able to, to tackle him. Yeah, so I, I looked at it and obviously um yeah I completely understand the argument for weight divisions. And um sort of when I, I sort of have a look around around junior league, grassroots and the like, there's a lot of talk around safety and parents being mm. concerned about the safety of their kids when they're playing and, you know, we'll get that video up for anyone who wants to check it out. But these kids are getting thrown all over the paddock, essentially. I look at that and I can see where parents would be drawn away from the game by watching something like that. So you've got the argument, hey, let's get some weight divisions in. Let's, you know, look at, um, you know, making sure these kids can compete. Mm. But then I look on the other side and I'm like, if my kid's on the opposition, what are we doing to empower the coaches to make those kids compete? or give those kids the best opportunity to compete. So what the decision-making has gone on the grassroots recently is the ba- fact that we'll take tackling out. Yeah, okay. You know, we'll, we'll wait until the kids grow a little bit more and they get closer and, you know, it evens out a bit and then we'll introduce them to tackling. So essentially we'll take three to four years of tackling away from kids and then expect them to be better tacklers, mm. which is crazy. Yeah. I look at that and I go, and let's be realistic, my four-year-old can make me struggle to stay on my feet. Mm. He's got the ability. He knows dad ain't going to hurt him. Yeah. How do we give coaches the skills? And we're talking about guys who are often volunteers, often people who are putting in their own time after working their backside off all day to help kids run around. How do we give them the skills, the funding, the coaching to be able to go out there and coach young kids to tackle an opposition player like that? Is that the way we should be looking as opposed to changing the rules to pass on the facade that we're safe? Yeah, well, it's a fair point. Um, I mean, safety and skill development should always be at the foundation of um, coaching, shouldn't it? Mm. And, yeah, it's – I honestly don't know the answer, but it's an interesting way to look at it. I've got to be honest, I've never really looked at it from that perspective. Because I look at that and I feel sorry for not only the kids playing the game, but I also feel sorry for the the gentleman who is absolutely ripping it up. Yeah. Because there's going to come a time where he could potentially be lost to our game Mm. as a young player, somebody who enjoys the game, because he is no longer that good. Yeah. Because everybody's caught up with him. Yeah. So how do we protect, obviously, the, you know, the perseverance of a kid like that to stay in the game, but also to give kids a lifetime lesson of learning how to knock down Goliath? Yeah. 
you know it's it's a it's an interesting balance but you know i look at that you know some and it's funny i don't know if it's just the way i think i look at a video like that and i go oh, i'd love to have that challenge for my child yeah and the the challenge for um the the child um who was um ripping it up there as well will be that skill development because you know as mm. he gets older needing to develop mm. um uh, a pass and, and needing to to develop um you know, greater footwork because at this stage, those elements to to the game uh, aren't necessary. Mm, for that's them exactly to be the right. Player. Yeah. So, how do you acquire those skills mm. to be able to take advantage of those skills later on down the track, mate? We've been far too serious so far. All right, mate. All right. So, what I wanted to do is I wanted to jump into a few fan comments that have come from um, from last week's episode. So, we had um, the suggestion mm. of. Obviously, the sharks gravitating to a certain area of the ocean due yep. to the fact that there would be the presence of the old devil's dandruff. Yep. Uh, is it around the Florida Keys, were you saying? Or yeah, yeah, I yeah. believe so. Yeah, so we threw it out there and you, you put us on the spot in terms of, um, you know, what could we, you know, make a movie of. It could be Cocaine Bear, what was the next one? And yep. you ended up, we went around from Cocaine Athlete to... Obviously, Cocaine Eagle, yep. straight away. Yeah. I had almost, you know, I had someone running 50 metres across the yard to see me the other day and they said, you wouldn't believe it, Cocaine Magpie. Cocaine Magpie. So, swooping season, Magpie season, I mean, the movie writes itself, it does, doesn't it? doesn't it? You know, not only is it mating season, but they're all on the nose beers. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Cocaine magpie. What a great suggestion. Oh, well. Didn't even think about it, but as soon as you hear it, you're like, yes. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and yeah. I don't know how it made me feel personally that somebody would make such an effort to run across to me and then suggest cocaine magpie. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm all ears. Um, also, too, a uh, big week on the downloads. Um, I wanted to just uh, touch on that for our listeners. We love you guys. We love the listeners. We had a big week in the, in the download. So thanks for your support. We, we really appreciate it. We really do. Thank you. Mate, before we go, I spoke glowingly in recent times about Solo and the fact that they'd mm. absolutely nailed the no sugar, the yep. zero sugar. Mate, they just keep producing the goods. And this is not sponsored let's put it out there we are open to any sort of sponsorship yeah. um you know so reach out to us however the sun kissed mate and i've got you sitting across from me having a taste <sighs> of the sun kiss what do we think because i i'm it's up there for me look it is on the on the can on the tin mm. just holding right here the words full flavored spot on mate Unbelievable. Absolutely delicious. The Sunkissed, the Solo, and I mean, I'll be fair to I'm usually a Coke man. Mm. The Pepsi Company, you're on one. You're on one here. You're on one. You're doing good things. All right. Tick, tick, tick. Absolutely. Little merit. Yep. You're doing well. Uh, and finally, mate, I just want to touch on this one quickly. Um, the King's Battle, mate. Mm. Okay. Obviously, uh, 
we talk about the king and you know, going into the wars and all that um, sort of historical stuff. But obviously, when we talk about the king, and we're going to put our allegiances aside yep. um, for states, but obviously it was pretty sad seeing Wally Lewis, mate. Um, you know, just obviously the battle he's having at the moment with uh, a diagnosis of, of dementia. Yeah. Um, and there was a 60 Minutes piece on, on Wally and obviously him stepping down from his duties at Channel 9 and, um, you know, just the impact of that, um, what will be obviously a, a progressive illness for him. So, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, very sad to hear about that. Like we often um, talk about our passion for rugby league and state of origin and our disdain for everything Queensland, but obviously something like this goes transcends that goes far beyond it and mm. we just want to wish um, Wally all the best with the, um, the battle he's got coming up and yeah it's, um yeah and, and one of the comments that was um that was obviously mentioned in the piece and I'm referring to uh to 60 minutes here is um obviously the presence the potential presence of CTE which mm. is um is pretty obviously a pretty popular term around around describing chronic brain injuries that have occurred due to collision sports. Um, you know, it's really important, I think, as we go through and, you know, it may, um, you know, it may be a diagnosis that comes down the track for Wally, but unfortunately at this time you can't diagnose CTE unless someone has passed. Yeah. So it's really important for us, you know, especially as fans when we throw out that, oh, we've got CTE or they, there's the presence of CTE. At this moment, we haven't got the ability to diagnose yeah. it. So I, I think it's obviously something that we as fans and the like, you know, we focus often about the rule changes of the game and, you know, the things around that are changing to try and protect athletes during their time. But it's also, too, I think there needs to be a bit of an emphasis on let's try and get, you know, research into this to try and help diagnosis yeah. while people are still alive. That would be ideal. Definitely, definitely. Um, but anyway, Wally, um, obviously we love you, mate. Um, yep, allegiances aside, mate, you are the king for a reason, so best of luck. Yep, 100%. Mate, should we get into the footy? Yes. The rugby league final was a big Wembley occasion. Oh, get that in here! All right, mate. I've composed myself. I've just <laughs> choked down. <laughs> that sun kissed is delicious. Delicious. He says. Ah, uh, mate, the week's footage just come and gone, and can you believe we're about to enter round 23? So we're really getting near. There's a bit of spring in the air. It's mm. heated up. We know what's coming, and it's finals is very, very quickly coming. But round 22, all the action. Uh, the Broncos far too good for the Chookies, 32 to 10. Mm. Uh, the Tigers fought valiantly, but in the end, it's no match for South Sydney, 32 to 18. The Storm... Ooh. Absolutely murdered Parramatta in a very disappointing effort, 46-16. We need to talk more about this, but I'll let you go through the results first. Yep, let me let me get my breath back. Then the Raiders um, were comprehensively smacked by the Knights, 28-6. Mm. Uh, the Dragons were uh, towed up by... Um, Manly, well, they weren't towed up. Sorry, they were they were beaten twenty four to eighteen. It was a weird game. That it one. was a bit of a weird yeah. one. Uh, then the Panthers uh, 
Yeah, this was a little bit of a weird one as well because you look at the 28-0 scoreline and you would say, oh, they must have just been all over them and absolutely smothered them. The Sharks had a red-hot crack and they really mm. dug in. The, the Panthers, if you want to see a game why the Panthers have won two grand finals in a row and why they've played in three grand finals in a row and why I said at the start of the season they are the team to beat and if you beat them, you will win the competition, go and watch the game on the weekend. Because they are just relentless. Their professionalism, their stinginess in defence, they mm. just will not give up points. And they are just absolutely ruthless and they are in love with winning and they're not yeah. falling out anytime soon. Mm. Um, I think it's that's a fair fair call, that. Then the, um, the Doggies in Redcliffe uh, fought out a tight battle with 23-22. to 22. Uh, The Dogs got up. Uh, Jermaine Azarko had a kick to go with about no, a minute and uh, for the sideline but couldn't convert. And then in the surprise packet of the weekend, the Titans beat the Cowboys 22-13. to 13. Mm. And the Warriors had the bye, mate. Yeah, so I didn't catch the Dogs versus Redcliffe. Mm. So a Matt Burton field goal. Yeah, Matt ended, up, ended up being the difference. Yeah, and it was a bit controversial at the time because I think it took them from being 10-8 up to 11-8 up and people mm. were like, well, you had 40 seconds on the clock. Why, the did, point? Why, yeah. why didn't you go for well, it? Well, we know what the point was. <laughs> we know exactly what the point Points was. Points win matches. Um, Cowboys, a bit... A mm. little less successful with that strategy, though. They were. They certainly were. And the Titans uh, were good in the second half. Like they, they come out, yeah, yeah fire. They certainly came out like a team with, with something to prove, and they played really, really well. Kieran Foran, he's a he's a tough player, isn't he? Mm. Yeah. Khan Pereira. Mm. Yeah. Jeez, so. He's been a real highlight. He was a try-scoring freak in the Queensland Cup. Yeah. So. And he seems to have just replicated that straight away in the NRL. Yeah. So th- they're... You look at their um, their team, you look at their squad and you go, wow, they've got a lot of the right ingredients. Mm. They just seem to be missing a bit of that 80-minute starch, a bit of that real, real hard week-in, week-out discipline. Because I look at their forward pack, I think yeah. about Tino, I think about Mo, Fodawaka. Tino's um, 80. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mo, you're probably, you know, he needs a blow. Yeah, he does. Um, and David Fafita's had a much better year. Mm. Then you look at their back line and you've got the likes of Brimo, Jaden Campbell, Philip Sami. Yeah. So is that is that something, and I'm just spitballing here, is that something that you would expect in employing Des Hasler, though? You know, because Des is obviously, he's known for his old school approach, very, you know, he's got fit teams. Yep. And he's got tradesman-like teams. So... That's logical. I'd imagine that's where where they're at. I, I, I was completely caught off guard by the Holbrook um, sacking. Mm. Um, they were in a position where they could have fought for the finals. I thought they definitely improved on um, last year, but I'm imagining they weren't seeing enough of what they liked, so they brought in Desi, who's going to come in and he's going to do just that, bring in that hard edge, what he built out at Manly, was very successful with the Dogs early on. Mm. Even early on at Manly in his second stint, he was he was quite successful. Built them, took them from a team not making the finals to a team who was a real threat. But yeah, so I, I guess bringing that starch, uh, their spine, they've got Kieran Four in there, Sam Verrills, yep, very good players. So I guess yeah, and possibly I I obviously don't know too much about the politics up at the Gold Coast, but 
Yeah, I believe Frizzell. So mm. Rebecca Frizzell runs runs things up there essentially. Yep. Um, probably a bit more, let's say, oh, a little less tumultuous within a boardroom up there as what he would have experienced in Manly. So yeah. in his last stint at Manly, for example. So it could be. It could be something, Bruin. Certainly could be. I, I definitely think they've got a lot of the right ingredients there. So it'll be in, in and they must think that Desi's their man. It's yeah. Time. Yeah. So essentially, what I'm saying with that comment is, let Desi go to work. Yeah. You know, forget about what's happening up here. Mm. We don't need you up here. We just need you down the training ground. Yeah. And I think that was probably one of the issues that undid him at Manly in the second time is not only was he playing first grade coach, but he was also a conduit from the playing yeah. to the boardroom. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. You know, and I mean, that can that can cause all sorts of issues, that one. Yeah, uh, I'm not real, I mean, I don't know what Desi's commitments were or what the Titans' um, the issue was, but I guess they could have got him up here straight away to get on. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's going to be something we, we start to see a bit more often. Um, mm. You look at someone like Shane Flanagan. Yeah. Um, what's the point? And are you like I understand? Yeah, get in there. It's it's a job. Get its things started. But I would counter that with what they are doing. What Des is putting into play for the Titans, whilst he's sitting at home at the moment, is probably just as effective as yeah, what he yep. would do if he's sitting, and he's not having to answer questions about the results that are occurring now with something that he hasn't, you know, it's a it's a cake that he hasn't put together. Yeah. And then that could impact, you know, and I think that was probably the same decision-making um, process that Shane Flanagan went through. He said, look, let's give this young coach an opportunity to spend six months as an interim. Um, you know, a lot of the time in those circumstances, that interim coach then stays on staff. Yeah, yeah. You know, as an a, assistant coach. So it's a fair point. I mean, the the way I'm putting it forward, it's it kinda sounds like Desi sitting on a you know, with a oh, he, he yeah. working. Yeah, he he's working. working. He's not yeah. si- he's not sipping mojitos. Yeah. And I and I think that's important to understand and and you know, I, I get it. I get it. I get why head coaches just go, you know what, no, I'll take them on November 1 when they come back for, for pre-season. I'll do a few little things, bits and bobs, if I need to make a phone call, if I need to speak to a player, player, manager, about selling them, why I want them in my squad next year, you know, if I need to, you know, tap players on the shoulder and say, hey, speak to your manager because you, you're probably not going to be in my starting side next year. You know, those conversations can occur without it impacting the season you know, yeah, fair call as it goes. So, I think it's probably something we're going to see a bit more often if we're going to continue to have these mid-season coach sackings, which I dare say we will. Oh, nothing's going to change. Um, so the Storm and Eels were my um, predicted uh, match of the round, and obviously very disappointed to say that they were not my match of the round. Parramatta were, uh, yeah, at least three steps off the pace. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, they came out of the blocks, blocks all right, scored first, then bombed two tries, and then it was just all the um, the storm from there. Parramatta's line speed was non-existent. It, it looked to me for probably the first time like all the suspensions, Dylan Brown being at um, uh, Campbell, Campbell um, Regan Campbell-Gillard, Mike Acevo, Sean Lane injuries, things like that, 
finally it looked like Parramatta were, yeah, we're tired. We've had enough. Mm. And which was really, really disappointing. It was, um, I mean, Gutho's haircut. Oh, well. I mean, look. I mean, as somebody who can speak on the issue, what did you think? Mate, I um, I wasn't a massive fan. I was like, what? <laughs> Disclaimer, I don't know whether he did it for charity. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, so a, that's a, yeah, I suppose that's probably pretty important because if yeah. he has, well, well done, done, mate. Well done, mate. But if Good. he hasn't, it. I mean, you spoke about giving up. Yeah. And, I mean, that almost <laughs> was an indicator of just going, you know what, fuck it. Yeah, mate, I like... I'm not – maybe you're starting to recede a little bit, mate, but, you know, there was plenty I, to work yeah, with. Yeah, I don't think it, it It really appeared to have anything to do with that. Yeah, plenty to work mm. with. Um, yeah, so anyway, he went down, Um, uh, you know, and it certainly wasn't a good omen for the Mighty Eels on the weekend. But no. Harry Grant just had a field day and then um, everyone else just sort of played off the back of that, Jerome Hughes and uh, Cameron Munster even chimed in at the end. So – yeah. Who was your match of the round, mate? Match of the round, mate. I went the Titans versus the Cowboys. I thought the Titans played well. And as you pointed out, particularly in that second half, they came home with a wet sail. The Cowboys were the interesting one for me. Um, so it's, it's funny how things can change. Everyone's been talking about how good the Cowboys have been. And, and they've been smashing everyone and their favourites for the competition. And, you know, I've just... This one, this one loss has sort of opened up a couple of questions. So, so, so when you go through your match of the round for this week, mm. you know, I'm sitting there looking at it and I'm going, Cowboys-Broncos. Yeah. But then you go and one result can turn that from being an absolute blockbuster into a, oh, I don't even, yeah, I, I think the Bron- Broncos might walk away with this. Yeah, well, so, I, I, th- I think about the Cowboys now and they've been on maybe a six or seven game winning streak. Yeah. So that started off with um, a good win against Melbourne, but then they got a little bit lucky against South Sydney and Penrith where they played them when they were significantly under strength. And um, So you're talking about the origin draw. I'm talking about the origin <laughs> draw, mate. I'm talking about the origin draw. Uh, but, you know, nonetheless, you can only beat who's in front of you. Yep. But it was actually last week when they played a severely under strength Parramatta and beat them. Um, but... Parramatta were coming for them in the second half. Yeah. And I remember thinking at the time, I was like, ooh, maybe the Cowboys aren't as Flash Gordon as they, as people are making out in the press. And it's only one loss, but I thought, you know what, I think there's a very good chance they'll lose to the Broncos. And if they lose to the Broncos, they'll probably be back outside back the eight. Back, yeah. So it, it, and it'll be interesting to see what happens from there. Is it the end of the season for the Cowboys? Uh, of course not. But, yeah. That's my um, big question I need to answer this week. Mm, so my prediction was the Storm versus the Eels. Um, I can't go with that mm. again. Um, I mean, I had to go with the Panthers Sharks. I really, you know, obviously picking your own team, match of the round, it seems like. Oh, I'd do know, it. Yeah, 28 <laughs> nil. But it's people would think, you know, keeping a clean sheet at home on a Saturday night, obviously you ripper. You beauty. It was actually the fact that we'd got a bit of a roll on and I decided to flick over to the rugby and I started watching that. Oh, started okay. watching the Wobblies. Started watching the Bledisloe match from Melbourne. And after Marika Corabudi got sin-binned and it all fell apart for the Wallabies, the reason the Panthers-Sharks is my match of the round was because I was able to turn it back and – 
absolutely enhance my own personal well-being yep. by watching the Panthers win. I mean, because that was arse pie. Yeah. So Panthers versus Sharks, I mean, a clean sheet at home. You can't. That's got to be your match of the round. Definitely, mate. I think you're 100% right. And Wallabies, I mean, we were... I mean, we were going to talk more about you guys this week, but we can't. Yep. And, I mean, everybody else has gone silent on the Wallabies as well. They have, mate. They have. So Still trust in Eddie, but come on. Yep. Come on, boys. Yeah. Need to do a little bit better yeah. than what's going on at the moment. You know, uh, this might be just part of the process. I love that word, part of the process. Part of the process. Well, the process is obviously, you know, and we'll finish up on the Wallabies here, but... The All Blacks have always just done those 1% things right. Mm. And when you get saved from conceding a try because someone hasn't tapped the ball correctly because you weren't paying attention when you are four metres out from your line, yep. pretty telltale. Yes, there is no doubt about that. They're, they're what we would consider 1%ers. Yep. All good, mate. Um, so a, bit, a few discussion points, mate. You... Mm. Um, you had a few observations around the NRLW, mate. What are you? What's going on there? So, have you watched much of the NRLW? I haven't watched any, mate. Yeah, well, um, I haven't. Um, Not because of a, a lack of interest. No, no, um, I, I, I haven't watched every game. Um, I, I reckon I've watched um, two or three games uh, each round. Yep. Uh, Parramatta uh, watch watch their games, uh, but there's been a couple of games I missed, and the reason why I missed it, mate was because it was scheduled to be playing at the same time as uh, an NRL game. Mm. So I just – like I understand the difficulty of creating a draw and, and, and you know, yeah. time slots and, um, you so, know, prime time. But having the NRLW on at the same time – and I think there's been two matches now as an yeah. NRL match. I just – I think you're going to really struggle with your viewership from that point of view. Is so, that an unfair call? Or? No, no, I, I think you're spot on, mate. I, I think maybe, you know, if I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to the the scheduling department of the NRL is, you know, when people talked about equality, hmm. this probably wasn't it. Yeah. You know, like putting them on at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Come on, it's common sense. Yeah. Like, Seriously, I'm making jokes here, but yeah. like, how do you know how do how does that even get through? Like, yeah, I, I, you know, there's opportunities there. Whether you know, I know, obviously, the the men's rugby league NRL is taking up the prime time slots. Yep, you know, and you want to give those girls an opportunity to play in prime time slots as they would if there was no match on. But I mean, I'm sure if you're doing a Super Saturday. There's plenty of blokes out there who are happy to strap into the couch all day. Yeah. You know, make it happen. Definitely. And I'm the same, mate. New South Wales Cup, Ron Massey, Sydney Shield, yeah. Queensland Cup, you know. Put it all on. Get it all on. Yeah. So that that um, was... But yeah. don't put it all on at the same time. You can't put it all on at the same time. Yeah. You, you, it's, you know, it's the same, you know, you, 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 you're trying to sell this product and you're putting it on competing with your established product. Yeah. It's, it's going to be... Yeah, anyway, so I think that's something they're going to need to look at in the future. Um, next thing that caught up my eye, mate, uh, did you – we spoke about uh, Justin Holbrook. Yep. He was a Penrith man, wasn't he? He played at Penrith, yep. yeah. Yeah. So, I believe he was a Newcastle junior. Yeah. 
Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of being, I mean, it was a bit hard to get a halfback spot around the sort of mid nineties, yes, early two well. thousands with uh, yeah. in Newcastle. Yes, yeah, M- Maddie Johns. Yeah, yeah, he was good. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> Um, but, um, yeah, so Holbrook had a meeting with Newcastle this week. So apparently they've gone on to assure the Newcastle Knights this is that Adam O'Brien's spot is safe. I just found this timing <laughs> really, really odd. <laughs> now, now, I can hear if you I, laughing here, mate. You're cut. not suggesting, are you, <laughs> Look, <laughs> that you've heard that song before? <sighs> I am, I'm not even going to suggest, I'm going to put it out there, I'm going to put my head on the chopping block and say that if I'm a head coach and a board member comes out and says that my job's safe, I'm chatting with the real estate tomorrow. That's right. <laughs> get her on, get some feelers <laughs> out there. Look, oh, let's, Newcastle are going all right at the moment. I think they've won four in a row. Yeah. They beat Melbourne the um, uh, week before last in a pretty decent effort. Yep. That was a good win. Uh, they beat Canberra as well, who was top four up until they beat them. So it's not as if they're taking the scalps who are on the bottom of the table. They've, they've had some decent victories. I'm not saying you necessarily have to decide that Holbrook is your man and you're going to keep him around forever based on those two matches or the last four matches. But what I'm suggesting is they have, for the first time all season, got themselves in a position where they are within striking distance of making the eight Mm. and their draw home isn't that bad. Why would you rock the, why would you rock the boat? Yeah. And I suppose you could take it a step further and say, if you are going to rock the boat as a football club, we're, you know, no disrespect to Justin Holbrook, but He's going to be there at the end of the year. You know, we're to, oh, but we're talking about if I'm rocking the boat and I'm going and having a meeting with a coach who could potentially be taking over, it's a, a Wayne Bennett. It's a, it's a Robbo. It's a big one. Ivan Cleary. You know what I mean? Do you mind so, bringing yeah. your son up the freeway as well? Like I, I don't get. Where, so I mean, is that a critique of the choice of coach? I, I don't know. Or is it, it's just it just doesn't make sense. You're replacing at a if you were to if it was to play out how we're suspecting is that Holbrook replaces Adam O'Brien. Mm. I mean, you know, I like for like. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I just don't get it. What you said before, couldn't agree with more. If it's Ivan Cleary, if it's Wayne Bennett, if it's um, yeah, you're uh, putting Trent him Robertson You're or putting him in Craig a horse Bellamy. and carriage yeah. and you're taking him down. And you put your hand up and you say, yeah, we'll meet with him. Yeah, no, yeah. No, no drama. Like, I'm happy to tell you. Bit that of two horsepower around honeysuckle. Yeah. You go, <laughs> here he is. That's right. Ring the bell. Here, here, here. But, you know, as I said, no disrespect to Justin Holbrook, who I'm sure is a fine coach. Yeah. But... He doesn't have people lining up around the corner to sign him. Wait until the end of the year, and if he's still your man, he'll still be there. Like, I, yeah, so that one yeah, was a weird one from my point of view, and I just thought it was it, – it smells like poor leadership from the club from my point of view. Yeah. Well, watch this space. Um, mate, something that I noticed, referees. You know, I know we talk about them often, but uh, just getting on the same page, and it was another weekend – of, I think just of real frustration, and and it couldn't have been better described than. Obviously, we had the issue there with Valentine Holmes coming in with another sort of headshot on Jaden Campbell. 
Um, he took the fine last week, so obviously he's going to he's going to get a couple of weeks. Um, I don't think that's been know if that's been confirmed. Three weeks, I was thinking. Mm. Um, so there, these yeah, are happening. He's yeah. at the judiciary at the moment, Val. Yeah. So so obviously getting ten in the bin, but you know, Sean Bloor for the Tigers takes a hit up, cops a shoulder charge, which results in a head clash, and he cuts his eye. He was pretty he was pretty filthy about it. You know, the way he was mouthing towards the South, I, I, for the life of me, can't remember the name of the defender. Um, you know, it was pretty heated. But, I mean, he was well within his rights. But this guy, it was a penalty. Yeah. He had to go off with a HIA because he had a cut on his head and he obviously had taken a head knock. But it was a shoulder charge that was given a penalty. If it's resulted in somebody going off with a HIA, I mean, surely that means 10 minutes, doesn't it? Yeah, you so that doesn't happen, but then in the next game that we flick on, they're going back two plays, you know, to give Mike Acevo a, a 10 minutes in the bin for a tackle that everybody was frothing over beforehand. Like, it's, it's just really, really hard to maintain patience with, you know, officiating when that's going on. Yep. It really is. I'm I'm really really struggling with it. That's I I had to put that out there. Well, no, it's a, it's a fair call. It's you don't know what you're going to get decision to decision, week to week, game to game. It's just yeah. it's 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 a challenge. And like some of the explanations that I'm hearing from the bunker, yeah, I'm just left what yeah. what, what what yeah yeah yeah. Anyway, um, mate. Speaking of taking the piss, uh, we got to address it. The Melbourne Storm. Was that the most ruthless piss take in rugby league history that we observed on the weekend? Okay, so throwing the disclaimer straight out here now, you know I'm a raging Parramatta fan and you know I'm still filthy about the 2009 grand final. Filthy. So you know what I'm talking about. Oh, I know what you're talking about, mate. <laughs> I, d- I don't get – so so say, for example, and we're going to talk a bit more about the NRL in our integrity report. We're going to sort of dive right in there and get a bit serious. Um, however, I don't understand. So obviously for those uh, listeners at home who aren't aware, so the Melbourne Storm had their 25-year anniversary where they bought out all their premiership trophies, had a bit of a reunion, a get-together, Um I mean, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I know Potty won't, that it was just a coincidence that Parramatta were the opposition. (laughs) Don't think it was at all. (laughs) Flogs. However, like to have the audacity to bring out the 07 and 09 grand finals, you would think that as an organisation, the NRL would pull them over the coals for it and go, look, we don't give a Frenchman's fuck what you think about these premierships. They were stripped from you. They're not yours. You don't you don't present them. Yeah. So I think the trophies themselves, the clubs are allowed to buy replica trophies. Yeah, yeah. So that's why they if anyone's out there wondering why they haven't just taken the trophies back, it's because no. Melbourne have bought their own and they sit in their little trophy cabinet. Yeah. And then Yeah, so Oh look, mate, I could I'm going to jump right into this. They are kidding themselves, mate. They they won premierships. Cheating. So yep. they rorted the salary cap, and the, and it wasn't any sort of absolute 
oh, miscalculated or whatever. They had two different books. Oh, yeah. No, yes. it was it – was blo- and it was punished accordingly. It was punished you know, accordingly. But that's what I mean. So when you talk – like you've got to come down hard on this and go, hey, as an example for, you know, just the integrity of the game. Yeah. You can't do this. Yeah. I don't care what you think. I don't care if you walk around your offices and go, we won those grand finals. You didn't yeah. because we stripped them of you. That's right. And it, it's an example of the NRL being spineless. They're just letting it go through to the keeper. Oh, we won't worry about that. But you're right. They should have been. Guys, you don't ha- I mean, they don't let Parramatta carry around their wooden spoon that they won with them when they were cheating, do they? Yeah. So. <laughs> So uh, and and is it because they don't you know Parramatta well within their rights to go we were the premiers in two thousand and nine yeah oh well like you wouldn't do it but no. that is obviously the the middle ground that obviously gets had they have stripped Melbourne and given them to Parramatta yeah what would happen if they did that the other day yeah Parramatta fans began no. That's no, our pre- that's you're trying to take our premiership exactly. from us. That like, is our premiership. You, yeah. did, you didn't win it. And I've got to ask, look at it from another point of view as well. I don't know why Melbourne paraded around just to have – like Cameron Smith and Billy Slater, their two club legends were up this week defending Melbourne, saying, oh, you know, this and that, and I don't know why people attack us over this. They attack you over it because you put those premierships out on display in front of everyone. You could have invited the players down. You could have said, come down, it's old boys weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Have some beers. We're going to celebrate as a team that won those grand finals. But don't put the premierships out there for everyone to sit there and go, no, you didn't win those. Like, I don't understand why you would do that. It just, if anything, it just, like, people forget about it. People stop talking about it. Yeah. All it does is make them bring up the fact that you were cheating, that you were rorting the salary cap, and you didn't win them. So I, I don't understand the logic behind it. I mean, it's not as if they don't have, th- is it three or well, four they, others to well, celebrate? They won. It was 2012, 2020. Yeah. And 2017. And 2017. And obviously 99 as well. So there's there's plenty to... There's premierships there. Yeah. And, you know, I, I agree with you on that, mate. But, um, yeah, it was uh, some sort of... Uh, Ironic hmm. set of circumstances on the weekend. It was, and I wasn't going to let him get away with it. So thanks for bringing it up, <laughs> <laughs> mate. Um, Cameron McInnes, NRL yeah. record, mate. Yeah, eighty-one tackles over the weekend. Yeah. So and his head looked like he had hit eighty-one people by it the is, end of it. Mate, he, I did. He was I mean, up. he is one. He is one tough football player. He puts his head where you wouldn't put your hand, and mm. but to make eighty-one tackles. Can you imagine the conditioning he's got to even be able to physically pick yourself up after making 40, let alone keep going? That's it. I mean, as experienced endurance athletes that we are. That's right, yes. I mean, it would be like a half marathon. Yeah. That's yeah, right. that's that's the effort that we've seen on the weekend. It'd be unbelievable. Yeah, that's right. Darren, mm. you'll get there one day, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, outstanding effort. No, no. Very, yes, absolutely. And, I mean, there was... So they were talking about it in commentary and there was just a mention about, I think he was pushing towards the record because I believe the record was 73 maybe. Or just Yeah. Something like that. So he was in the 60s and they're going, oh, he's, he's on course for the record here. And then within that set, he made four tackles. In yeah, a row. it was just unbelievable, wasn't it? Just yeah. bang, bang, bang. It's like, well, hang on, he's, he's got the record now. It's over. Yeah. So, he, and, I mean, he was just on a mission. Um, finally, mate, you got something special for us. Mate, the uh, the Lee 
leopards. They've just Who? come out and then they've just, well, that's right, mate. I mean, I know. Anybody with a, you yeah. know, a taste of history and an understanding of the great game of rugby league in the United Kingdom would be saying who. Yeah. And who would they really be thinking of? The Lee Centurions, Centurions mate. mate. The Lee Centurions, Manchester's finest. But if they're trying to win over their um, uh, loyal fans with their new. Uh, Branding with their new mm. mascot, with their new um, cat. Like <laughs> they, they haven't done it with their third kid. No, no. So, and yeah, all of our loyal listeners will know that we are relentless when it comes to alternate kits. Yep. Um, we don't let you get away with any. This um, may be the winner, though. The winner, winner, chicken dinner. Oh, it is just yeah. an absolute. I mean, I don't want to take away from Arsenal's efforts this year yeah, you know, no, with their third it's kit. worse. But um, this one is just, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a leopard. It's <laughs> absolutely. And I mean, I would, um, you know, I'd be all for it if it was actual real leopard skin. I yep. mean, I don't want to offend any of our, um, you know, Peter associated viewers, but uh, our listeners, my apologies. Um, but, I mean, if it was real leopard skin, I mean, I'd be all for it, but it's not. No, it's not. But before we move on, mate, and talk about the matches around, I know we've been into the footy a little bit tonight, but I couldn't let this go. You dropped a little bit of trivia gold on me just before we began this podcast. So, I think it needs to be shared. The Panther. Oh, the Panther. The Panther. The Panther not actually being... A distinct species. It's yeah. just a, a jaguar who has got a pigment issue. Wow. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, yeah. Not many panthers going around. No. There's a there's a lot of jaguars who um, have a pigment issue in the in their fur coat. Wow. Yeah. Man. So check it out. Do the research, mate. I mean, all that that youth of mine, and I mean, somebody will probably jump up and down if I am incorrect in in that trivia, but it appears that way. But in my youth of searching for the panther in the Blue Mountains, mm. you know, because I spent plenty of time doing that, um, you know, this is where you come across knowledge like that. Oh, mate, there you go. Mm. There you go. Um, but anyway. Mate, that was absolute gold for me. And uh, match of the round uh, coming up next week. Oh, hang on, I better run us through the roster first. Yes. Uh, the Chookies versus Manly is going to kick us off. Titans versus the Warriors. That's going to be an interesting one all of a sudden. Panthers versus the Storm. That's my match of the round, mate. I'm really looking forward to that one. Mm. I reckon um, uh, we're – I think that's going to be a really good match. And just on the Storm, really quickly, I saw Ryan Pappenhausen coming back for after yeah. nearly 14 months, I think it is. I think is. he'll be up at the Sunshine Coast. Up at the Sunshine Coast. So good luck, um, Pappy. You've now, uh, had a tough road back. Speaking of the Sunshine Coast, uh, a bit of fan mail came back. Um, we spoke about the Coolum Colts. Yep being out, leading the players out to the field. And um, I got a response uh, from the what I labelled the assistant coach at the Coolum Colts who, um, you know, who was there with the, with his team. And um, I just want to share the response, um, you know, just to see how we interact with our fans here. So, as it goes, by the way, fuckface, I ain't no assistant coach. And yes, we love our football up here. <laughs> and yes, I need to hit the treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I apologise. 
<laughs> to absolutely no one. <laughs> Hit the treadmill, assistant coach. <laughs> oh, uh, so I, I yep. Love the much, feedback. Much love for the feedback. And guys, if if you want to rip into us, you know where to get us. You know where On to the get socials. Us. That's sports attention. Um, the Cowboys are facing uh, the Broncos in what should be another cracking game as well. That's up at um, uh, up at Townsville. Uh, Redcliffe, they're going to be taking on the Knights. South, they're going to be taking on the Sharks. And that's a bit of a... Um, Sharks are going to be desperate. They're, they're sliding and, and South should be as well. Um, mm. Parramatta versus the Dragons. Well, I just don't know anymore, but, you know... <laughs> That's um, mm. that's uh, going to be a really interesting one. I did see Jack DeBellin's going to be out. He, he got a four-week suspension. So okay, yeah. He was unsuccessful at the judiciary. So yep. he uh, f- rolled the dice and no good. And um, So that, yeah. you threw me in the mud before mm. in terms of, you know, the comment about the trivia and the panther. Yep. I'm going to throw you in the mud now for your comment about Jack DeBellin being at the judiciary. What did you say to me before? <laughs> oh, I said his wife probably won't be as upset with him as last time. <laughs> his wife won't be as upset as last time he was in front of a judge. Absolutely. <laughs> I agree. Moving on. <laughs> and the uh, Raiders versus the Tigers to finish it up. Mm. Uh, and, uh, well, the, the Raiders are really going to want to get back on a winning streak, aren't they? Uh, the Panthers versus the Storm uh, was my uh, match of the round. And who did you have, mate? Well, mate, I went for the Eels and the Dragons. Now, you you know, it seems like, oh, well, the Eels should get this done. You would look, if you looked at it and just went, Eels, Dragons, yeah, Eels, for sure. The 11th place Eels. Mm. So I looked at the, at the table and went, oh, hold on a second, 11th versus 14. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the Dragons played pretty well against Manly. They came home really good. Sloan had a really good game last week. Ben Hunt, um, I think, to be very, very fair to his professionalism, you can see he's trying each week. Oh, yeah, You know what I mean? Like, it's – the questions about him not getting an early release and the like, and, you know, you think that could completely derail the team. But, I mean, it's – he's clocking in for work. Mm. You know, let's let's be fair to the bloke. Yeah. so I think it's going to be a good game. You I know, think, think Parramatta well. need to win. They've got to win. They do, and it's it, it, it's one of those things where they could buckle under that pressure, but it could also be the, the, the game that they need to sort of kickstart a, a bit of a run for them. Mm. Uh, Dylan Brown should be a big in. He's um, obviously been out because mm. of that uh, suspension because of off-field issues, mm. and he'll be welcomed back um, by his teammates. And Brad Arthur may comment about the fact he knows um, he, he, he's been training well. He owes his teammates. So we'll training see. Training the house down. Training the house down. Training the house down. Mm. But, yeah, I, I, um, the th- I had a look at the team list this afternoon and, and you straight away think, oh, Parramatta are a far better team than the Dragons. If you go and have a look at that team sheet and how they match up, yeah, Parramatta's missing a few players, injury and suspension and whatnot, but there's not much difference between the, the quality from player to player. There is, you yeah. know, Gutherson's a better player than Sloan, but Sloan could have a game. It's just, good form, yeah. just incredible. I mean, what you're really looking for as a Parramatta fan is for, you know, Dylan Brown to come in and get that hand, get his hands on the ball. Yeah, run the ball, shore up that side in defence, which has just been leaking points because it's been a, um, a rotating door for players coming in and out there. And, um, yeah, so that might be what... Um, Parramatta needs, but 
I think it's a hell of a lot more than that at this stage, mate. Ooh. Rightio, mate. Uh, stream of the week. Right, mate. We're straight into stream of the week. So we have looked at Stan this week. Heels. Have you seen Heels? I haven't seen Heels, mate. Mm, so what, do, what do we know from Heels, mate? I, I'm completely uh, unawares. So you're leading the, uh, leading the way with the stream of the week this week. Yeah. I actually, full disclosure, I did spend the remainder of the week finishing off the f- physical 100. Yeah. And gee, it was fantastic. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I finished that. Um, heels. I hear it's good. Yeah, mate. So I'm a big fan. I... Um It came to mind this week, and I'll put it forward to you for Stream of the Week because the second season started. I watched the first season about Mm. 12 months ago, and basically it's a story of two brothers who are – they run a wrestling promotion. Uh, um, And and it's a bit of a flashback, and we've spoken about um, this before when we were covering um, Nature Boy, Mm. and we spoke about how the WWE is the big promotion now, and they've taken wrestling global, and anyone who's anybody in the wrestling world, like the pros, they end up in the WWE at some point for a short time or a long time. Yep. Um, but before this time, like back in the 70s, back in the 80s, you used to just be small promotional, like mm. regional sort of stuff, and, and wrestlers would travel around to different promotions. Yep. And uh, this is set in the uh, fictional town in Georgia of uh, Duffy, and uh, one brother's the villain and the other's the, the heel. Uh, sorry, one, uh, sorry, the villain, which is the heel. And, the and, heel. And uh, the, other, uh, the other plays the face. So... Um, yeah, uh, great story, and as I said, a flashback to those um, uh, wrestling territory days, and um, you know they've got a couple of close rival rivalries with a few other smaller promotions as well. And it sort of reminds you a little bit of the you, know, you remember the old Monday Night Wars between WCW and and um, WWE and how oh, they were fighting yeah. for the television ratings. Yeah, and, yeah, it's it's not on that sort of a Monday scale. Nitro versus Monday Nit- Raw. That's yes. right. Yes, Nitro beating. The WWE for ninety three weeks straight, I believe it mm. was, and uh, before um, Vince McMahon um, came back in and took it over. Maybe we're going to talk about streaks later on. Ooh. Uh, so stars Stephen Armel, who uh, for those of you out there who are a bit of TV bus might remember him from Arrow fame. Yep, and he's the protagonist Jack Spade. And uh, his brother uh, Ace Spade, and the, running the family business from their late father King Spade. So it's got everything you want, mate. It tells the story of um, the family dynamics. It tells the story that you know myself and you as old wrestling tragics would love, and yeah. um, also um, you know those fantastic names as well, King Spade. Yeah, I mean it doesn't get much better than that, does it? Yeah. So uh, into its second season now. Uh, I'm a, a little bit different than the sport documentaries that we sort of reviewed lately, but definitely recommend uh, you give it a watch. I'd give it an eight and a half out of ten, mate. Mm, that's yeah, good. So, so I'm pretty impressed with it. So the concept of the heel, yep. obviously for those who, you know, and not the most knowledgeable wrestling fan I am, but I, I do, I love the art of it. And, I mean, the heel is so important for sport. Oh, I think, yeah. you know, like if you think about the entertainment aspect of sport, the heel is, it's brilliant. You know, any, you know, Conor McGregor, he's the heel. Yeah. Floyd Mayweather, he's the heel. Jerome Lua could be the heel. He is. You know, you, you get in there and you buy into that. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's... it's we it's don't seem to be... In the Australian sporting landscape, we don't seem to be at a stage where no. we can embrace we, that. We've yet, got a tall we? poppy syndrome here. Yeah. 
That's the issue. So the heel works in America. Oh yeah, yeah, and it works. You know, yeah, and it, and it works in um, professional wrestling because it's the guy that you love to hate. Yeah, and some of the some of the great, like we we've spoke about Nature Boy, Ric Flair. He made a career out of being a heel. I, I reckon he was probably a heel for 80, 90% mm. of his career. So, And it was interesting in his documentary where everyone said, well, he's the heel. He's the, you know, in the crowd's eyes, he's the bad guy, but yeah. he was the best work colleague. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shit father. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm going to put well, it that out. That sounds good, mate. I'm going to put it out to you, mate. I think you'll love it. Yeah. Uh, when you I get will, a chance, jump all over we'll it. We'll definitely um, check that out. Where will you get that? That's on Stan. On Stan. Any mm. of the listeners out there, if you need something to watch, get on the heels. Get on great, the heels. Great watch. Beautiful, mate. So uh, stream of the week, heels. Yeah. Um, and obviously, too, from last week, we had the uh, the physical 100. So there's so much, so much good content out there. Go there get is. amongst it. Well, mate, um, that's it. Should punch on to some football. Let's get into the football. Rightio, mate. Uh, football chat. It's really heating up. The We'll start with the Tillies, mate. Mm. The Tillies. So we'll start with the Women's World Cup um, because that's, you know, what's happening at the moment. That's the, the competitive action at our fingertips. Uh, did you catch the game last night, mate, between the Tillies and the Canucks? All right. So uh, full disclosure, not all of the game because mm. I was flicking between that and the cricket. So, I mean, yeah. like we said at the start, we are absolutely hammered with sport at the moment. Loving and, it, loving it. you know, there's just so much on in there. There is, there is. It's been a fantastic few months. Uh, but sticking with the Tillies now, I won't go down that rabbit hole. Mm. Um, yeah, so 4-0. Four, four so. Mate, what a turnaround. Yeah. I mean, when the Venga Boys came out with the hit song, The Venga Bus Is Coming, yep. I mean, we're, I... Compare that to bandwagons, yep. and I tell you what, I was, I was off the bandwagon over the weekend yep. when yep. it looked like we were doomed. Yeah, looked, yeah, and 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 that was all the talk, and, and I missed the first, um, basically most of the first half, and I, oh, check the score before I flick it on. Oh, hang on, <laughs> get it we're on. on, we're on, <laughs> we're, on we're back on. Yeah. yeah, and so Sam Kerr was on the bench. Sam Kerr was on the bench. Now that was the big talking point mm. going through. Um, you know, there was a fair few tinfoil hats about mm. in terms of, and I mean yourself who has suffered recently from a calf ailment. Yep. Um, the fact that Sam Kerr had come into the tournament with a calf injury, you know, I mean the talk was about the fact that she was never even going to play. Yep. You know, and I don't know whether it was a negative reaction to the poor result over the weekend, but it was really about, you know, have we had the wool pulled over our eyes as a public that our best player was actually never even looking likely to start? Yeah. I mean, the fact that she was suited up could have told me that if it was one all with 10 to go, she's probably coming on. Yeah. So, I mean, but, yeah, geez, it would be nice to have her back. Yeah, well. The girls did a great job last night, but, yeah. Look, the fact that she, the fact that she was kitted up suggests to me that they would have played her if – 
they absolutely had to. And I, I imagine the only circumstance is if they're 4-0 if they're down at mm. half-time, they're not bringing her on. No. But if it's one all or t- um, they're down 2-1, they bring her on because because they're getting desperate. And that kind of suggests to me that another, another few days and she might be good to go for the next – um, uh, well, now that we're out of the, the group stages. Mm. So a big win, mm. and obviously the positive of that win is the fact that we avoid England in the last 16, because that's a tough match. Yep. You know, the Lionesses are they're pretty good, yep. good quality. Um, so I believe we get Norway. Yep. Or Denmark, sorry. Denmark. I'll, I'll just double-check that one. But, um, I mean, a massive win. And Canada, I mean, they... I watched Canada beat the Matildas last year at the opening of Allianz or one of the first events at Allianz. And, I mean, they're no marks. No, no. You know, well, Canada, oh, they've had a really disappointing tournament. Well, as you spoke about getting off the, the bandwagon, it was because we had grave fears for how a Sam Curless Australia was going to fare against um, Canada over the weekend. But I certainly didn't see a small a 4 nil thrashing come through. Yeah. Mm. So uh, yeah, that's a that's a really good win. Canada, so, as you said, very disappointing. They lost uh, two no, two games, did they? Yeah, yeah. Yes, they ended up losing two. Um, the next game's in Sydney, mm. Stadium Australia, so that'll be packed out. You'd think for the round of sixteen. Oh yeah, they'll put the acid on the on the Aussies on the Matildas because the commentary were harping on about the fact that there's no host that hasn't reached the quarterfinals. Yeah. So, I mean, and New Zealand didn't do us any favours, did they? No. <laughs> so, I mean, the pressure's on. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, the the confidence from a performance that they had last night like that's going to do the, the squad the world of good, especially the fact that your star player hasn't even had to come on the field. Yeah. So, do you know where Denmark, um, uh, you clarified that, that's who they got next? Uh, I'll just do that now, mate. Sorry, mate. I no. believe it is. Yeah, so... Where do they rank? Are they are they, um, are they strong? Is is there a chance that they're going to go with the same philosophy with Sam Kerr if she's not right? Or now that it's just do or die, it's no, nah, you're you're there. Um, I Denmark are strong. Yep. Like I mean, you, when you're getting into the round of sixteen, anything can happen. And yep. the fact that you know we've we've had um, you know some tough games. In the last, um, like leading into it, obviously putting us in a position where we had to fight for, you know, progression. Um, yeah, so it's going to be Denmark. Um, I mean, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, we could easily run into a roadblock on the, you know, yeah, in the next match in the round of sixteen. So I think it's anyone's game. It's that real knockout football now. Yep. Um, you know, your favourites have got to live up to the hype. I think there'll be a lot of pressure, especially as soon as we get around quarterfinal time around a team like England. Mm. You know, there's a lot of um, expectation over in the UK. I, I obviously keep up to date with a lot of the um, the podcasts and content that come out of the UK around the football, and I mean, they're they're right behind the lionesses. So, mm. I mean, as we saw with the men's men's team, you know, once once they get into the into the business end that that pressure cooker heats up and then then you've got your you know your your real high achievers your US Brazil yep they're going to come out to play and then your surprise packers i mean France 
yeah. weren't expected to do anything and they they've put together a couple of good wins. Nigeria are doing well, so yeah. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. We're still we're still with the Tillies though. Oh, absolutely. We're with the Tillies and I mean if Sam Kerr just comes out of nowhere and just finishes off, ends up with a golden boot after playing two games. I mean, that's all we ask for. We that's don't ask much, do no, we? No, no. Uh, yeah, so that's the Women's World Cup. One final thing. I spoke about the French briefly, mate. Um, now, I'm going to butcher his, the pronunciation because I, I really struggle with uh, with rolling the tongue out the back of back of my palate. But Herve Renard, the French coach, what do you know about him, mate? Herve Renard. Herve Renard. So you may have heard of him mm. because he was actually the coach of Saudi Arabia at the Men's World Cup. Yes, so, Herve Renard. Now, I mean, if this guy doesn't look like Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh. I am not here. Dead set. Like, we talked about the things we would do to Graham Arnold to get a Socceroos cap. I mean, how does this guy get through a team talk without, you know his plays hitting on him. Yeah. I mean, he is the most handsome 54-year-old man I've ever seen. He is, isn't he? He's certainly a, a decent-looking rooster. So he was the one who, um, I mean, he put together the uh, the onslaught of Leo Messi's Argentina, if we don't forget, from the Qatar World Cup. Saudi Arabia, the boil over. I mean, he was the architect. Yep. So he's obviously, um, you know, things have gone a bit pear-shaped with the France uh, women's national team. So he's obviously, hence the reason why he's cool. he stepped in at, at such a, a, a late portion of time. But, um, yeah, I mean, I when he, I, see, I saw him pop up on the screen the other day, I went, hold on a second. Hang on. I know that face. Um Anyway, why I know that face, I mean, there'll be um, there'll be sceptical eyes looking at me and suggesting that I might have some sort of a man crush on this bloke, but, I mean, he's a handsome cat. He is, he is. Don't worry about that. Um, another interesting fact. So when you start to peel back the layers on, on the personalities, especially around uh, French football, is Bruno, Bruno Metsu, who was the head coach of Senegal, who um, in 2002 had the big boil over where they beat France in the opening game of the 2002 World Cup. Mm. He passed away, unfortunately, and his widow is now married to her Renard. Oh, wow. Yeah, so obviously, um, yeah, I mean, she obviously likes football coaches (laughs) because she's got a type. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so a little uh, little interesting piece of trivia there. So, Mm. yeah, anyway. Thought I'd share that uh, share that with the listeners, but um, if you haven't seen, um, I mean, I did show Renard to my wife, and uh, she looked twice. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, he's a pretty handsome cat. So uh, any of our lady listeners out there, check him out. Tell me if you think he looks like Gaston. Gaston, yeah, from Beauty and the Beast. Check it out. Um, look, mate, transfers. The transfer window is in full flight. And I've come to a bit of a conclusion, like, we've spoken each week and we've spoken about the moves in Saudi Arabia. Mm. You know, there's a lot of lot of noise coming around about Saudi Arabia, the fact that they're, you know, they're, they're doing a fair bit of transfer business. Now, I've come to the conclusion, mate, and it was probably on the back of Alan Saint-Maximin, 
going from Newcastle. So he could potentially be playing in the Champions League this year with Newcastle, which was never expected. He's moved to Al Ali for thirty million. You know, a player at the peak of his powers, one of Newcastle's attacking weapons, is going to the Saudi League rather than sticking in the Premier League and playing in the Champions League. So I've sort of come to that conclusion that, hey, there are just players out there and you look at it and you go, don't you want to play at the highest level? There are players that are just like, you know what, no. I want to cash the fattest check and I want to just kick the ball around. You know, like when you talk about ambition of a player at that level to decide that they're going to go out to Saudi Arabia, I thought, I've got to to start to look at this differently. Yeah. Next one, Sadio Mane. Looks like he's gone. He's had medical tests, Bayern to Al Nasser, so with Ronaldo. That's a massive signing. Mm. He was Liverpool's, you know, they they lost him last year and it was, you know, how are they going to manage without him? He went to Bayern. I mean, he punched his teammate in the chin. After a Champions League match, got a little suspension. He's obviously on the nose there and now he's in Saudi Arabia, but he is still a top-line player, yep. Sadio Mane, and he's out there in Saudi Arabia. It's amazing some of the names that are headed there. Uh, Fabinho from Liverpool, he's headed out there as well. That's confirmed. He's at, uh, I believe, Al Idihad. And um, other big moves. What have we got? Mm, obviously. Obviously, mate. Rasmus Hoyland. We've got it, mate. Man United have, here we go, from Fabrizio Romano, we have got a striker. Yeah. Mate, so I'm pretty pleased with that one. Um, The Toffees, mate, any word? Mate, I haven't seen anything fresh. Nothing fresh for the Toffees. Um, There's also a few rumours going around, um, some movements. So Riyad Mahrez, that's confirmed. He's off to Saudi Arabia as well. So Man City pick up a cool $30 in change for him. Um, So, I mean, it's going to be quite a competition out there. It's, yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out for the remainder of the window. Um, However, big news, mate. Tell me, mate. Big news. Mason Greenwood, there's talk that there will be a decision made in the next couple of days about him. Now, we haven't had a... We've been dying for a striker. We've signed one. But, I mean, the discussion point was never there really or has been avoided around his availability and the fact that he was uh, arrested and charged with some very grievous offences, which he has now been found not guilty of and he's free to to return Manchester United are doing an investigation into it, and it appears as though the next couple of days the final decision of that investigation will be out there. So it'll be interesting to watch this space Mm. on Mason Greenwood and see what happens there. So it's a a pretty big moment for, for my football club in terms of that. What do you think, mate, if it was your team? Regarding Mason Greenwood? Mm. Oh, it's it's one of those ones where I suppose before making, like, so he's been cleared. He's been cleared, yeah. So yep. charges were dropped. He's also, you know, I mean, he's with the partner who yep. made the accusations. They've had a child now. They're, yeah, you know, it's. I mean, you know, is it a situation I would want to find myself in? Absolutely not. But yep. you got to respect the fact that, 
you know, that's their lives. And so you said Manchester United are doing their own... They've done a, a very thorough investigation. It's been going on for about six months now. Yeah, and they've cleared him as well, or that's... Well, that, that's what we'll find out in the next couple of days. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, well, you know, depending on the findings from that, is there... Has there been anything suggested about what that that's going to find, or is that it's all it's all been pretty quiet? Yeah. yeah, I don't think anyone wants to jump to conclusions. There's been a few stupid questions asked of Eric Ten Hag throughout preseason as yep. to what he's like. Well, you know, I'm not going to answer that. We, you know, we hammered people for that last podcast. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'll be really, really interested. I mean. It goes beyond football, I think, a, a decision like that. Yeah, for sure. You know, obviously, as much as a fan, you just want to see football players play football, and he's obviously an absolute talent and a half, but, obvious, you know, it does go beyond football, and you need to accept that as a fan. So, yeah, it'll be interesting where they go. I, I still don't even know where I stand on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's... It's almost like I'd possibly have empathy towards him if he can't continue his professional career yep. at the club, despite the talent that he's got, yeah. but also too, if you bring him back, then there's the other side of, well, you know, is that a significant? Is that enough of a consequence for a very, very serious accusation and and the damage that it did to the club at the time? So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's really hard to, you know, it'll be interesting to see what um, United come out with this yeah. week and how they go with it. But mm. you know, I guess from it's your one striker, you're glad isn't playing for Everton by the sounds of it. Yeah, well, but I mean, there, I mean, there was the issues there, which has been the issues with Gilfie Sigurdsson. Yeah, you know, I mean, that was that was made clear as well. And you know, Gilfie hasn't been brought back into the football club. No, um, but you know, yeah, it's it's very very interesting. Mm. Mm. Uh, pre-season, mate. There's been a few matches that have occurred. Um, Arsenal, mate, they've been chirping. They got a Massive win over Barcelona, 5-3. Yeah. And, I mean, I think they're actually going to claim the Champions League. Well. <laughs> <laughs> they're saying they've beaten the heavy hitter. But they've got um, the... Did they do with their third kid on? <sighs> I believe they did, actually. <laughs> yes. Um, so they play against... Their next match will be against Monaco. Uh, and then, obviously, on August the 6th, mate. So it's coming around the corner. Um, they have the Community Shield against Man City. Um talking about the new season coming on should we announce to the fans that uh that we will be running a pre- premier league preview episode a bonus one in a similar style to our origin specials yep certainly will and uh we're very much looking forward to it. we're going to have some celebrity guests on with us yes today to bring some expert opinions so. absolutely so it's not just going to be uh the dulcet tones of of potty and i it is going to have our our special soccer specialists yep soccer specialists coming in to deliver their predictions for the season ahead yeah. and, and just really an absolute thorough analysis is what it's going to be. That's right. And for those um, fantasy football fans Ooh, out yes. there, there's going to be a little bit of that as well. Bit of fantasy chat and, uh, yeah, to put your money where your mouth is. Yep, easy. Um, other sides that have been over in the States on the preseason, so Aston Villa, uh, 2-0 against Fulham and uh, had a 3 all draw with Brentford. So Brentford's been over there as well. Um, Chelsea. Chelsea had a, uh, a win against Fulham and uh, they got another match against Borussia Dortmund in Chicago before they head back for the final pieces of their of their pre-season. Uh, Toffees, mate. Big win. Mm. Big win over Stoke. Windy Stoke on a Wednesday night, mate. I mean, there's no better warm-up before 
the start of the Premier League season. Champions League, here we come. Mate, how good is that? Uh, Crystal Palace have been bouncing around the States as well. They've had uh, a loss against Milonaros. Mm. Uh, Milonarios. I thought it was Millionaros. Millionaros. Oh, well, I mean, I wouldn't mind joining that team. No. And uh, a one-all draw with Sevilla. Uh, Liverpool. Mate, they've had a pretty tough start when they're in their German camp, but um, nice big uh, 4-0 win against Leicester, and they've got a, a match against Bayern. Uh before they head back to um, Scouse land mm. to get back into it, the final touches. Uh, Luton Town, they're knocking about, had a couple of good wins uh, in the old dart. Man City, uh, they were beaten by Atletico Madrid. Mm. Mm, so I don't know what happened there. I Yeah, there would have obviously been something went awry because yeah. they can't lose. No, I no. mean, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, uh, my team United. We got beaten by Wrexham, which we we played the kids out in San Diego. Um, beaten by Real Madrid. Andre Onana's debut, which was fantastic. I've spoken about that, uh, and then beaten by Borussia Dortmund three two, which was an entertaining game in Vegas. I mean, it's an absolute fans' delight. That isn't it. New York, L.A., Houston, San Diego. Vegas. Mm. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, get on board. If that's a bandwagon, get on for preseason. Oh, wouldn't you love that? Preseason fixtures mean nothing, but geez, that's fun. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So a couple of couple of European fixtures, um, you know, versus Lons and Bill Bow to to get us ready for the season. But um, yeah, it'd be. They'll be looking forward to getting back and obviously getting their new striker on, on board. So mm. that'll be nice. Uh, Newcastle knocking around with uh, in the States. One all draw with Chelsea and then a 2-1 uh, over Brighton. Forest, they can, they're doing their thing over against PSV, taking a loss. But, uh, yeah, trying to get some – they lost to Leeds as well, I mean. So they're trying to get some, some Ks in the league. But uh, – yeah, I mean, if you go off pre-season form, they might be getting a shellacking in our special. <laughs> but um, another, uh, so Sheffield United, uh, they've been knocking around, but Derby, they beat them 3-1. So getting some, uh, they've had four fixtures, so getting some decent runs in. And then Angers Tottenham, mate, they've had a bit of a break. Yep. So it looks like it's going to be two weeks in between matches, which is quite unusual. Obviously, they had the waterlogged pitch. Yep. Um, so not ideal for them, but they're back in um, back at their home stadium against Shakhtar Donetsk, and then they have a match against Barcelona to uh, finish their preparation. So it's all heating up, mate. We're going to get right into it in our uh, preview special. So, um, yeah, get excited, guys, and I'm sure um, when you look at the likes of, I mean, there's still a lot of questions around Harry Kane. Yep. Um, the transfers are going to heat up as well. Mbappe's still free. He's he's around there trying to wet his beak at a few different clubs. He says he's not going to Saudi Arabia, so that'll be interesting. But the question I posed a few of the guys in the football chat, mate, was that, and on the social media, if Mane's going, leaving Bayern, he's going to Saudi Arabia, does that open the door then for Harry Kane to make that move? So that I think that was a bit of a game changer. Rasmus, Hoy, Rasmus Hoyland, Hoyland, my apologies, joining United, that space opening up a bind, I think that's starting to paint the picture of, of where the potential move for Harry Kane could be. 
Yeah. Anything else on the football, mate? Uh, no, I don't think so. You've no. covered that really well, mate, and uh, no. we're very much looking forward to the season starting again. It's only a couple of weeks off. We've spoken about the, you know, the players, mm. they, earn their, they earn their dollars, don't they? And, um, yep, make sure, listeners, you... Keep 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 your eyes out for the when we drop our Premier League oh, preview. It's, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. No stone unturned in that one, mate. Uh, integrity report. We've got a big one today. Let's do it. Integrity. This is the manifest. the integrity report, mate. Um. Should we go full disclosure for the listeners on this one? Yep. Um, guys, we're a couple of silly geese here. We muck around a bit. We have fun bit with our fun, sport. Bit of fun, bit of a laugh. Bit of fun with our sport and entertainment. But we're going in today. We are going to shift from the usual and we're going to embrace our inner Paul Murray. Yep. Our inner Alan Jones, Andrew Bolt. And we're going to do a bit of uh, investigative journalism-styled reporting for our Integrity Report this week. And we're going to talk about some of the matters for most of our listeners. I would say all of them. Mm. Rugby League. What do we got, mate? Well, everyone's been, uh, anyone who's a Rugby League fan, should I say, has probably been aware of the ongoing um, um, issue between the RLPA and the NRL, mm. um, which has been... Over in the headlines for the last twenty months, something like that. Yeah, I think it's a bit. It's at least been an eighteen month standoff. Yeah, and uh, it's sort of come to a head over the last couple of weeks with um, uh, certain action being taken by some of the uh, by well all the players, and um, you, you, you've probably noticed that players aren't doing interviews after the game. Yep, They're stepping so away from that. And last week you would have saw seen a lot of players, and I'm pretty sure it was all of them, but some would have fallen off, covered up the NRL badge yeah. on their um, on their jersey, basically as a form of protest for uh, the apparent uh, NRL walking away from the negotiation table, I think it was a fortnight ago, three mm. weeks ago, with basically a take-it-or-leave-a deal. Yeah. So just a question, Jared Warrior Hargreaves, was that a le- was that a Photoshop or was that legit? Which one? Sorry. So he had a, the patch covered up. Yep. With fold some C U N T on there. Was it? No, I didn't see that. I I wasn't sure. Yeah, because I'd seen it. So it's it's he's got a patch on there, so it says fold some cunt on there, and I didn't know whether it was real or whether it'd been. Photoshop. <laughs> so I was hoping that you'd actually actually knew. So no, I didn't I mean, catch that one. I know there was there was a, a few player. messages and writing on it. Yeah, so I saw like a crucifix on one, yeah. and somebody um, wrote something. Oh, I can't remember what it was now, but it was quite. It, it was yeah. So it was basically because I'm looking at it, I'm going well if. Jared where Hargroves has done that. That's almost like saying the NRL, oh, where like because I, I know they've had comments about you know things being written on forearms. Yeah, and there was that, some. Was where, it Andrew Fafita a few years well, ago? Well, yeah, that was the um, support for the the fellow who was doing time for the coward punch. Yeah. in down in Kempsey, yeah. and um, I mean, basically, like they've come. So I was almost like, oh, he's gone all in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, no, I, di- I didn't catch that one, but uh, yeah. I'd, Anyway, <laughs> wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, so I, I was hoping to get a bit of confirmation. I've done some research, uh, contrary to that, that sort of question. But uh, yeah, it wasn't on whether that was photoshopped or not, um, mate. But let's be fair to him. Over the past few 
episodes, we've brushed it aside. Yeah. We've sort of just, you know, given it the old, you know, just sort it out, fellas. But I think it's really important that we go in a little deeper this week. Well, I think so because I don't think it's going to get sorted out. Mm. So a couple of the key questions, mate, was what is the issue? So from your perspective, what what have you seen as the issue here and the issues that need to be addressed? All right. So um, the players have gone to uh, painstaking lengths to – point out that money isn't the issue so um that they they've gone to uh yeah they basically highlighted that at every chance they can clinton newton who's the um uh president or the um ceo of the rlp uh rlpa has said it's not all about money Mm -hmm. um so to, to my understanding their intention is around um, uh, getting some clarification over uh, a couple of different issues. One being um, around. Um, oh. So there's a range of issues. So scheduling is one issue. Sorry, yep. uh, how um, uh, data which is collected on uh, NRL players, how's that yep. distributed so the and used? Data. Yep. Uh, pro- um, financial reporting to uh, the players. Yep, so, so the transparency of yep, that. the transparency of that. So um, basically um, that – I was doing a little bit of reading into that and it sort of um, seemed to be made as complicated as it possibly could, almost yeah. like they didn't want you to understand. But, but it's also too, um, you know, the way it's been portrayed to the fans out there is often a lot of the um, – the information that's been relayed back has been through the media. Yeah. You know, which the media have ended up um, as a bit of collateral damage within this as well, you know. But when I was going through it, like, and looking at what the issue, you know, as always, disputes around the workplaces, and in particular professional sports, you know, the dispute, it's claimed, is not about money. Yep. If I could start with this, mate, let's just be open and honest because it's okay. Yeah. You know, this is purely about money. If both sides could actually be open and honest and go, you know, because at the moment we're getting A. We're getting this isn't about the money, it's about the rights of our players. And we're getting B from the NRL. This isn't about money, it's about the growth and sustainability of our game. It should be this. A, this is about the financial impact of decision-making in the game. We as the players and key stakeholders in professional in the professional product of the game wish to have more of a say in where the money is spent, especially if this impinges on our rights as workers. Mm. There you go. It is about money. Yeah. You're admitting it, but you're standing by the fact that, of course, that's what it's all about. The NRL, whereas the administrators of rugby league wish to maintain the freedom of flexibility, we believe is imperative to allowing us to grow and develop rugby league around the world. So not just the NRL, we can see the issues and the needs elsewhere. There needs to be a clear pathway free from regulation to allow us to do this, okay? Because if we start being regulated by the players and answering to them, Hmm. it's going to prevent us from actually doing what we need to do, you know, enabling us to be as flexible and as proactive as possible for the betterment of rugby league, i.e. the COVID pandemic. Yeah. If they're going to answer questions to the players and they've got to answer around this, they can't just make those snap changes and say, "Radio, everybody, pack your bags, get up to Queensland. This is where we're going to make it happen." Yeah, you know. So you can see when you when you look at it from both ways. Number one, it's purely about money. Yeah, but, and that's okay. 
Yeah, but number two is how do you communicate effectively as to you can see where both sides of, you know, the dispute are sitting on here and you can go, well, I mean, I, I can understand both sides of it here. Mm. You know, but that's where you start to get to the negotiation and, you know, playing the politics in the media, the way it has been played out for fans, just, I mean, I think they're really, really alienating two groups of people and, you know, that is the fans of the media. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, the way I looked at it is uh, it's almost like the the RLPA have looked at, there's they've walked past the shelf and they've looked at a wooden pistol that Will Ferrell had in the other guys and they've looked at a legitimate pistol and they've picked up the wooden pistol and gone, yep, this will do. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it just doesn't seem, but, you know, that's where I'm at in terms of what it's about. So it's obviously there's two elements to the argument which you can see this is why we've got a dispute. Yep. There's one group that wants to go in one direction. They want to have the freedom and flexibility to do it that way. And they're saying, look, you guys have got what you wanted in terms of player payments. Okay. Because it's really important for, um, and, you know, when we go into what the players want as a topic on that, there appears to be a misconception about what the dispute is in terms of from a punter's point of view. So, mm. from just an everyday fan's point of view, it seems to be that it's about the players getting money in their weekly wage, yeah. which it's not. No. You know, the players have agreed to what they get uh, in terms of the salary cap. They're happy with the revenue sharing, which is relayed directly into their, you know, the salaries. Yeah, so yeah. that's not what the disagreement's about. Um, for those who are unaware of how uh, NRL players' salaries are funded, um, you know, NRL actually pays the players. Yep. Your club doesn't pay your players. You know, they get a grant each year which covers your salary cap. You know, third-party arrangements, anything that fits outside of that, that's, you know, for a club to deal with and the salary cap orders to manage, that doesn't – isn't included within that. But there's also two um, from the club grant. Uh, there's also a, a little sort of surplus to that that is agreed on by the players. So the clubs don't spend the whole grant – on salaries. So there needs to be a little buffer area for clubs to then go and work on to be profitable. Yeah. So essentially, when an example, a good example of it is Tinkler goes broke, you know, like he did, players still get paid. So if, you know, any footy fan can, you know, look back at the last two yeah, decades yeah. and go, regardless of how poor a club has been in a position as an organisation, players are still getting paid yeah. and that's why. It's because the NRL pays your players. Yep. You know, the clubs, and it's also too a bit of a, a highlight onto the health of rugby league clubs that led into, um, you know, the 2000s. You know, clubs were so reliant on leagues clubs to fund them. They were so reliant on those grants and, and things and they weren't very good at setting up good organisational structures a la what you see down in the AFL. Yeah. You know, with memberships, you know, uh, real profit building organisations that, you know, are driven from the fans' perspective, not just, uh, well, we'll get a handout. Yeah. So that was the real growth of, of the players. So, you know, if a players weren't paid, the licence would be stripped tomorrow from a club. Yeah. You know, so 
I think from a fan's perspective, it's really important that we remove that because I, I would say that there's still fans sitting at home today going, oh, well, the players are just winching because they're not getting enough money. Yeah. Daily Chair Evans, he, he wants an extra, you know, $500,000 a year and that's not, that's not what's happening. Mm. Yeah. In terms of light bulb moment, do we see here in that explanation why the clubs have been very quiet? Yeah, well, you know, because the clubs are out of they're, they're, they haven't got any skin in the game. Hey, hey, yeah, yeah, hands up. We mate. we get our we get our money to pay the players. Yep. And you know, it's the players versus the NRL. The clubs are out of this. Yeah. So, oh, you know, it's really, you know, you start to see that okay, this is why the clubs aren't sort of going, oh, the NRL should be doing this, they should be doing that. And you know, that's a reality of where our game is. The NRL calls the shots. The clubs will bandy together and they'll push in certain directions and the like. But at the end of the day, they get funded by the NRL. You yeah. know, the clubs aren't profit-making machines. You know, hence the reason why we don't have private ownership in Australian sport. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. So the key issues that I, I've garnered. Um, so there was amendments made um, in the year you know, in the re- area of 100 amendments made to the proposed agreement from the RLPA. Yeah. So the pl- the RLPA said the NRL sent it back to us with 100 amendments and take said, it right, leave yeah, it. take it or leave it, this is it. So they're not happy with that. The RLPA is saying that they want negotiations to recommence. So it's not necessarily saying take what we said, take it or leave it. It is saying they just want to get back to the table. That's the, the ground that they're playing on that. And they want a mediator. Yeah, and they yeah. want an industrial relations mediator yeah. to, to do that. I don't know enough about an industrial relations mediator no. to understand why they'd be making that request, but there's I could imagine there's a reason why they're making that request. Yeah, I'd imagine there is too. Um, uh, I, I saw an interview with Clint Newton uh, yep. uh, who spoke about the fact that why wouldn't you want somebody there whose very job and very profession is based on dealing with these type of issues? Mm. Um, but he didn't elaborate any further on that. So And that and that's the interesting part where you talk about um, where or when we start to look at what are the RLPA mm. and the fact that, yeah, so are they a trade union? Yeah. Or are they an association that's designed to represent the players? Yeah. You know, because if they're a trade union, absolutely, you want the mediator in there because the mediator knows workplace law. Yeah. Very cut and dry, very straightforward. We're talking about professional sports here. It's not cut and dry. No. It ain't straightforward, you know. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting. I'd, I haven't looked in that area, but it'd be interested in, I'd be interested to know why they would be requesting that and there would be a reason for that. Um, you know, scheduling and the addition of two rounds, extra rounds, is, and all this information is available to the listeners if they want to research it on the RLPA website. So they, yeah. they've put out a statement and it's all out there. That's where, that's where we've sourced Frequently our information. Frequently asked question section. Yeah. So, um, you know, they said two extra rounds, but in the claims on their website, they say that it's 16 extra games. But let's be fair to them. Let's... You know, in the fair of department, it's actually two, mm. you know, because only a player is only playing two extra games. You know, they say there's 16 extra games and it's not 16 extra rounds. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and this is where I, I sort of get annoyed. I'm like, come on, like, let's not, let's not try, you know, yeah. try and be cute with the numbers here. Yeah. You know, Paramount call it what it is. Not, didn't play 
24 games last year and they're playing 40 yeah, this year. you know, so, um, you know, in this issue, uh, I mean, I, I do believe they've got a point, you know, and, and down the track, conference systems, those things might become, you know, especially if we are going to have expansion, because, I mean, the RLPA says they're not against expansion. No. So, I mean, that's something that, you know, will have to be discussed later on down the track. Um, I mean, player personal information and data, so a Apparent breaches of privacy laws, as you alluded to before. Yeah. Um, the NRL wishes to maintain ownership of this. Um, yeah, I, I can imagine there's some issues there in terms of personal preference on that. I'm, I'm not really over it too much, but I mean, if I was being a, you know, a bit of a skeptic on it, I could say, what's John Asiata's thoughts on this? Yeah, a player who was outed in the media as someone who didn't want to take the COVID vaccine. Yeah, yeah. You know, so these breaches of data, like, you know, how, what are we talking about? Are we talking about GPS data, you know, and player well-being, this sort of stuff? I, I mean, yeah. And, and that's where it all becomes a little bit vague. That's yeah. That's where it all becomes, like, that's where I'm doing the research and while, while the RLPA put out this, you know, you, you can find generally – what it's about, but you, you almost left asking more questions. Mm. And and it's obviously the question of, and it's personal preference here, but, you know, the amount of information and privacy information players put out on social media, I mean, I don't want to go play that, oh, but you do this, you do that sort of stuff, but, I mean, let's let's be – is it is the players the – are the players the ones that are pushing this? Yep. Is it medical stuff? I completely understand, but I would think there are laws yeah, that no, prevent I, I that. I couldn't imagine it's medical stuff. Yeah, but, you know, so I, th- I think it, it, it appears quite a stretch. Yeah. Um, whether it is actually personal information and data as, a, you know, as opposed to what we see in the United States where wages are getting yeah. put up. You know, maybe we're we're starting to to look at that being the crux of the argument there, but yeah, it just it's very very broad and vague. Yeah, wages is an interesting that. one, isn't it? Mm. Um, and obviously the financial reporting. So whilst in a revenue sharing agreement, the players wish to have more transparency, which you go, oh, well, that sounds yeah. And there's clauses in the contract weighted in the NRL's favour. So essentially, if the NRL have significant losses. Um, the players will share in those losses. Yeah. But uh, there's no other side to that if they have significant surpluses. Okay, and, the, and the, the concern is around that and obviously the control of where the money is spent. And uh, the players want a caveat put into that as well, that if, there's, yeah, if it is deemed reckless, uh, then they don't have to... Contribute, but what what is deemed reckless? Yeah, and that and that's the thing too. So so if the game loses more than ten million in a single year, and this is direct statement from from what uh, they've put out, uh, despite exceeding forecasts every other year, the, they want the players to share in that. I can see the point on the players part of this because, in fairness to Peter Vlandis, Andrew Abdo, and the mob that are running them now, like let's drag Todd Greenberg over the coals. Yeah. He blew cash. He blew serious cash at the NRL. They had a slush fund that absolutely was siphoned dry before COVID hit. So you can understand why the players are probably going, you know what, we don't trust you. I would 
argue that with the fact that if you're going to give, and we know the magic that Peter Vlandis has done since he took over running the game, if you're going to give those guys the opportunity to actually right the wrongs of the previous administration, yeah, you probably can't be putting heavy restrictions on them. You've got to let them do their work, their magic. Yeah. You know, and, and I think someone like Peter Vlandis has got such a track record, a proven track record, in sorting this shit out. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I understand where the players are coming from that, but I'd also say, look, let's, let's let the guys do some work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fair call. Um, you know, also, too, when you look at the concept of profit within the organisation, I mean, it's, it's pretty important. Think about Netflix. Okay, you're a stand-up comedian. I mean, you're a funny guy, Potty. Well, you, know. you know, you put out your new special, Netflix gives you a paid amount for that special, you come to an agreement on it, that special goes through the roof. Netflix ain't giving you those numbers. No. They're not telling you how much you got. Okay, so this is the nature of the business. Okay, Hollywood, movies. Okay, there might be certain agreements within your uh, role as an actor that says that if it does well, you get paid on the back end. Yeah. But that's agreed beforehand. Okay, and a lot of the time Hollywood will go, no, we're not doing back end. Yeah. Okay, this is your set, man. And, and most actors will go, yep, yeah, this is mine. You know, some of them are lucky to get on the back end. Yeah. I mean, if you got on the back end of the hangover, yeah, I mean, you're laughing right. all the way to the bank Yeah. because it wasn't expected to do anything. You think about the UFC, another example, and I mean, talking about payments of athletes and the UFC, yes, straight away you'd go, well, they're all getting ripped off. But, you know... The fact is that the profits are there, but the profits are there to generate the business and generate the product and keep improving the product and improving the company. Uh, I mean, the NRL could argue that that's what they need to do to grow the game. Mm. Yeah. Um, ask a builder how he manages materials. You know what I mean? Like he's got to take those losses, but also too, if those building materials end up coming down in price, you know, he's not going, oh, well, sorry, sorry, mate, we agreed on the fixed price of the build, but yeah, uh, yeah look, I'll throw you back a thousand, Yeah, <laughs> you know, for the timber I didn't use. Like it's, it that's business, yeah. you know, and, and yeah, I really, really struggle how this is a massive issue that it's being made out to be, other than the fact that the players are not looking at it as a loss thing. Yeah, yeah. They're looking at it as if we reckon the game's going to be thriving because of what the NRL doing and we want to be able to cash in on it. Yeah. But it's not about money. No, it's not about money, but... You know. Mm. Yeah, so, well, it's a, it seems like it's a long way from, from being done. It seems like... You know, mum and dad aren't even talking at the moment sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And... Probably, yeah. probably something we haven't talked about as well, mate, would be the international game. So that's something that they talked about as well as being a payments for international games. Um, so there was a, a proposition put forward to say that it'd be equal payments across all international and it'd be run by the NRL. So <laughs> they're saying that they want to share in the revenue, the players as opposed to paying for it through their own payments. So they believe the NRL is going to make money on the international games. Yeah. And that's what should be used to pay the developing nations and the other 
players, not the player allocated money from the NRL. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. My issue with that is, and if I was, you know, trying to take a bit of a lighthearted approach to it, is what happens if the NRL goes, right, yeah, we're going to split the profits down the guts. The players might realise how fucking unprofitable international rugby league is. Yeah. You could be going from playing for Australia for 40K to be paid 5K. <laughs> you know, but I'm pretty certain the South African Rhinos players and the Cook Islands are pretty happy to pick up 5K. Yeah. Oh, 100%. <laughs> you know, so I don't – I think a lot of this is because the – and the RLPA says throughout it, they won't show us the numbers. I think the players don't realise how much money International Rugby League bleeds out of the game. Yeah. So this might be a rude awakening where the NRL might go, oh, yeah, okay, you want to do a profit share? We don't make any money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah, I was you know, <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, I'm – again, it's not about the money though. No. Yeah. Okay. No. So, um, you know, and there's other issues that, that continue to pop up in terms of insurances, minimum salaries, integrity issues, player property and the like. So, And you can understand those. You know, if players are getting suspended for integrity issues, mm. you know, I'm sure the players, um, you know, the RLPA wants to be able to support those players, you know. But, yeah, unions have been doing this for centuries, mate. It's been going on, you know. Um, there's obviously more to it, you know, without going too far about the battles of personalities between Clint Newton, Andrew Abdu. Apparently they hate each other. Yeah. You know, which isn't helping things. No. You know, mum and dad aren't talking, but they hate each other as well, hate each other's guts as well. I mean. That's never going to help. Yeah. That's never going to, um, yeah, because it becomes personal then, doesn't it? Yeah. When, when when you're trying to sort out a bigger issue, but you don't want to talk to the person who you need to sort it out with. It's not going to happen. Yeah, well, it's certainly not going to happen quickly. I'm not suggesting that either one of them are lacking the professionalism to get the deal done should it when it arises, but it doesn't make it happen quicker. Mate, the collateral damage of this, the fans and the media, I alerted to that before. I think they've gone the wrong way about it, to be honest with you. If, if I could be, you know, and I've, I've sat on the fence with most things, I can see both sides of the argument with what we've discussed. I think they've gone so far the wrong way about it because one of your allies could be the media. Mm. You could use the media to get at the NRL and say, "Rightio, we're going to speak to the media, but before we speak to the media, every time, because remember the media is who pays the NRL. That's right, yeah. We, are, we have a line, a statement line that we will use. NRL, before I start this interview, NRL, we're encouraging you to get back to the negotiation table. Yeah. And then you start. You're using the media. Yeah. But at the moment, they've gone, we're not going to talk to the media. So you've straight away made the media an ally of the NRL. Yeah. You just, yeah. It's crazy when you think about it like that. It's, it's. And also, too, you've then driven a wedge. So you're now lo no longer talking to the fans through the media. Yeah. So people like so the us fans are sitting are going, there going, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then you're doing petty things like covering a patch. Yeah. You know, and then they're falling off halfway through the game and the fans are going, sucked in, didn't work anyway. Yeah. You know, like they've, they've really butchered this one. I think they've gone the wrong way with the collateral damage assessment that has completely – it's 
let's put them on the wrong foot. Yeah. I think there's there's definitely stuff within their their disagreement that I I agree with, and I go, you know what, you you got a point there, but man, you're going about it the wrong way. Yeah, they've they've tried to fire a shot at the NRL, and they've hit the media, and that's who they shouldn't have. That's just. No. That was a huge mistake. Yeah. And and I mean the only thing is that their saving grace is is they can go to the fans and go, Oh yeah, but you don't like hoops. You don't like, you yeah. know, Braith on three sixty, you don't like, you know, Brent Reed, you don't like Dobbo, all these other real you know, professional journalists. They yeah. they go, Oh well, you don't like them, so that'll be a bit of saving grace and hopefully some fans will come over our side because they like Isolating those guys, regardless of what you think about them and their ability to do their profession, I mean, so dumb. Yeah. I mean, you could have used them as, you know, an ally. You could have used them and said, look, we understand that you're probably going to disagree with us, but this is a statement that we're going to put out before we speak to the media and we want to make sure that we can try and get the NRL back to the table. Yeah. And I mean, fans, fans can dig that. I mean, I can as a fan. I, I suppose I only speak for myself, but, yeah. I don't know. Mate, I agree. I, I, 100%. Mate, so it, it was, it, it's an issue that um, is not going away, so we'll keep, we'll keep our... We'll keep on it. We'll keep on it, and we'll, we'll let you know what our journalistic integrity finds out. Yeah. Well, I think we've done our best on that, mate. We've definitely given it uh, a fair whack of time in this this great podcast of ours. So, um, yeah, let us know what you think on the, on the, uh, the socials. Yep. Yeah, hit us with an email at Sports Detention. Yeah, uh, sports Detention Podcast at Gmail. And you're sick of hearing about it, and now we've just dragged you through. <laughs> yeah, we apologise for that <laughs> either. Actually, <laughs> as the great Conor McGregor, I apologise to absolutely nobody. <laughs> we love our fans. Okay, what do you reckon, Potty? We keep going, mate. Mate, let's do it. Rightio, mate. Uh, we'll go straight to the cricket. And the reason, the we want to give the cricket a good shake today, mate. Um, I want to hear your thoughts on uh, on the fifth test, mate. Unfortunate result for the Aussies, but, uh, yeah, what's your take on, mate? Yeah, mate. So, like, the whole series, two, two all. So, mm. um, uh, Australia won the first two test matches, very close affairs. Then the third one in another close, I think England won that by 40, 45 runs, then the washout and uh, England won this by 49 runs, so really close affairs, went right down to the wire and I just thought it was an, a great series I yeah. thought it was really, very really competitive. good Very competitive, high standard of cricket um, I mean there was a lot of controversy that went on I didn't care for that all that much mm. uh, if I'm going to call a spade a spade thought the carry on was a bit yeah but anyway. So in terms of just stay in your crease. Oh, yeah, stay in your crease. You know, um, the weather. The weather. Uh, uh, even the ball saga yesterday. Mate, I was very I, – I'm going to try and avoid that. Yeah. You know, I'm avoid – because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the same as the weather. Yeah. Like if you whinge about the weather, I mean, yeah, you can go, well, well the ball – I don't know, I, I – I think they're 
they're both as, as critical as each other on the match, really. It's a test match. Yeah. That's what it is. That's right. Uh, so I thought um, as an Australian fan, we missed a real opportunity to take a win. Because I know we get to keep yeah. the ashes, but a draw is a draw. I agree, yeah. And uh, I think we missed one of the real great opportunities to take home one of the one of the one of the great series. So we so we hold on to the ashes, but I, I still is it? Am I correct in saying it's still fifteen years, twenty odd years, twenty two years? Sorry, since we've won the series over there. Yeah, since we've won a series over in in England, it's twenty yeah. twenty one years, two thousand and one, I believe, the yeah. last time we won over there. So, so every time we've picked up a result there it's been a retained through a draw series yeah so yeah. Uh, we'd actually lost all of the series 2005 uh, onwards up until the last time we played yeah. over there 2019 where we picked up a draw and that was um famous for steve oh. smith coming back in and um basically playing australia to a draw there remember 2005 like that was an ugly i think it was like an ugly two months for australian sport yeah so we lost the ashes then those flogs got in a Rooftop bus and drove around yeah. London because they won the Ashes. Yeah. Like, I mean, we love the Ashes, but come on. Yeah, so... And, I, I mean, that was the same time that um, Ricky Hatton thrown Costa Zoo yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. So, mate, we'd copped a flogging from the ponds. That, yeah. Oh, it was ugly. And um wasn't long after the World Cup either, um, mm. the, the rugby. Oh, like, yeah. A couple, couple of years, but, you know. It's, um, anyway, um, yeah, but, you know... I, I wanted to start by because there's been a lot of talk and we've we've been feeding it as well here on the sports detention about um you know some of the controversies but I, I just thought it was a cracking series. Mm. Um, Stuart Broad, uh, the the guy, the villain. We spoke about the villains earlier. He's played the villain yeah. in the Ashes for the last um, uh, oh, oh, definitely since KP gave it away nearly ten yeah. years ago now. So, um, and he's given it away six hundred Test wickets. You know, yeah. top four of um, all-time bowlers as far as wickets taken is concerned. He, he does. He, am, am I right in saying that he does a little less with the bat now than what he was doing in his peak? Yeah, I believe yeah. so. So, so he's still handy for some yeah. runs, but he, he, he's got. But there, there was a purple patch there where he's he got he a was Test hundred to yeah, his name, similar like, to Mitchell Johnson. Like, um, mm. you know, Mitchell Johnson was a bit more brute force, but both have a Test match hundred to their name and several fifties. I think he might have nearly a 10, 50, so okay, could, yeah. could could contribute with a bat. And uh, but he's decided to give it away, and really giving it away at, at home Ashes series. You know, I think he took the last wicket. Yeah, he took the last wicket. Per, Pretty good way to go out. So Moen Ali's gone as well. He's yeah. he's retired. Has he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently so. And um, Jimmy. I could be making that up. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I heard it, so I'm not essentially making it up, but I may be passing on fake news. But apparently Moen Ali is retired, but it's his second time. Yeah, right. So he has retired before, but yeah, he's retired again. Anyway. He loves it. You know, see you next tour, mate. <laughs> And um, Jimmy Anderson, I mean, he's 41 now, like his days. Yeah. Um, and he didn't play the whole series. He, I think he missed two test matches, yeah. just pure resting. And he, he, he is, when you talk about all-time greats, he is he yeah. is right up he's there. Right. Yeah. And uh, Davey Warner, I can't think he's got too much uh, left in him either. So. When he got dismissed mm-hmm. um, overnight, I looked, you know, just for a moment, I was like, what if? If he got 100 there, I think he's done. Yeah. You know, if Dave Warner gets 100, Australia 
goes on to eke out the win, I I think he gives it away. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm you 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 know accused me of being a romantic no. last week, oh. but I, that's where I I'd, I'd you know I'd be off. So the um. Definitely his last ashes, though, I'd have to think. Oh, yeah, I yeah. can't think he'll be back back in England in four years' like, time. Like I suggested, I, I think maybe a summer in, in Australia if that if he wants to do the farewell tour. Mm, yeah. I mean, we all know the, how that's gone for John Farnham. Yeah. It'd um, be interesting <laughs> to see how uh, the Australian team thinks about that because we discussed this the other week, so I won't go into it again. What's the better option, giving a young kid a go? But, um, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, so great, great series. The question has to be asked, did that great, great series deserve a winner? Um, I mean, am I wrong? Am I – like, get get around us, uh, listeners. Am I wrong? Does we hold the ashes so retaining it is good enough? That's fine. Because yeah. it just seems like – Yeah, I mean, if we were to use, you know, a bit of a – an American mindset, we'd be looking for a drop off. Yeah, we'd be looking for some sort of tiebreaker. Super over. Yeah, super. Oh. <laughs> oh, uh, good oh. old, good old fashioned sock wrestle <laughs> in New the middle Zealand, of the pitch. All New Zealand cricket fans just started twitching <laughs> at the super over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, um, yeah, I, I get, I get what you're saying there. Uh, does it? I mean, at the end of the day, we could just go, oh, we retain the ashes, ashes Crimea River, you know, because that's what we, deep down, we feel. Yeah. But it would have, like you're saying, it would have been nice to solidify it with a victory. Um, you know, yeah. yeah. I mean, we still take the mace and the ashes. Yeah. Hell, hell of a series, though. Raise your, raise your bats. Hold up the board, ladies mm. and gents. What... Really, I've really enjoyed it over the last um, oh, six weeks. Just flicking it on of an evening and um, yep. catching a bit before you go to bed and when, when you wake oh. up and seeing the highlights. Yeah, I love I love cricket in the old dart, mate. Yep. I mean, there's there's something beautiful about it. Love it, love it, uh, mate. Um, boxing, mate. Boxing. So we had a huge fight over the weekend. Two uh, undefeated fighters, Earl Spence uh, and uh, Earl Spence Jr. and yep. um, Terence Bud Crawford. Bud Crawford. Mm. Yeah. And um, what'd you think, mate? Yeah. So I watched, I watched the replay of this fight yesterday, and it was very one-sided, really. It was. Um, yeah. Bud Crawford was. No, that was special. That yeah. was, it was a one-way birding with Bud swinging the hammer. It was. That it was. was it, yeah. And you could tell very early, like I think um, uh, Spence might have taken the points in the first one. I think he did. Yeah. Um, but, and the interesting um, sort of side note was, that, you know, Bud Crawford is very, very known for just being a bit of a slow starter. Yeah. So when he was progressing as he was in the second round, you know, a lot of the experts were like, oh, hold on a second, this is something we haven't seen before. Yeah. You know, there was an expectation that he'd, you know, take a, a you know, three to four rounds, download the data and, you know, go to work. But, I mean... He was impressive. Yeah, so second round knockdown, and mm. um, that was the first time I think um, Earl Spence had been knocked down. Uh, first time in his career, yeah. Yeah, first like time in his career. So. Like, um, for those who aren't, you know, massive uh, pugilist fans, I mean, we're talking the cream of the cream. Yeah. You know, we're talking the, the, the you know, welterweight, that doesn't get better than this. No. And, you know, I, I know I mentioned, um, you know, 
obviously Tim Zhu fights at junior world weight. Um, so he's around that area. He's around that weight. You know, a lot of fighters um, will sort of alternate between those weight classes and around that area, depending on paydays, belts on offer and the like. But this is an example of why I think it's smart for Tim to go over there and get some fights. Yeah. Yeah, because, well, I mean, it doesn't get any better than what we saw in the ring there on the weekend. So both fighters um, the other night, they're, they're a good couple of steps up on who he's fought for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, but we obviously are seeing the work that Tim's put in here on our shores and, I mean, there's a lot of hype behind him and we, you know, we love him. Mm. You know, it's it's really important for us as fight fans to get watch this and go, rightio, you got some work. Let's, let's, let's put in the, you know, let's get our 10,000 hours up. And, um, yeah, so... Earl Spence was reaching, uh, overreaching, yeah. should I say, early in the fight as well. So you could see that um, Crawford in the second round had sort of started to go to work and, as you pointed out, a lot earlier than people thought. And he he really couldn't um, figure out a solution to the problem on the fly, could he? Mm. And, and, I mean, that's always a, a big telltale sign of someone who's struggling to get a read on distance and is, you know, even getting a little frustrated is that reaching with the punches. Yeah. And it, and when you're talking like Bud Crawford, I mean, he's known as a, a vicious counter puncher. Yeah. So, I mean, when you're doing that, you're, mate, your steak's on the grill for him. Yeah. He's, he's looking for that. And, I mean, some of the – just the the – Slick nature of his counters was so impressive. I mean, it was an absolute clinic. Like, um, you know, and his ability to, you know, just change the shape of his punches and connect yeah. whilst Errol Spence was attacking was – it was a thing of beauty. Yeah, it, it really was um, uh, a performance that, like, you've got to see. If, you, if, you, mm. if you're a fight fan or um, I'm sure you have seen it, but even if you're a bit of a novice, someone who just, you know, likes to watch a great performance, mm. it's well worth having a look at. He went down again, did he? Yeah, so went down again in the seventh. Seventh round, I believe. Yeah, seventh yeah. Round. So stopped in the eighth. Yeah. Um, he was hitting him a wheel yeah. then. I mean, and yeah, I he went out on his shield, yeah. Earl Spence. Like, hey, let's let's be fair. Like, I, I mean, the referee in the corner, the I mean, the best sort of uh, understanding of that is the corner stopped speaking. Like after the sixth round, the corner were were very blunt in their instructions. Just let's get through. Yeah, you know, or you know, you're looking at the basically. If it gets ugly, we're gonna we're gonna stop this because you need to fight another day. Yeah, um, you know, and he and that's a tough responsibility of a corner, isn't it? Like, exactly, because yeah. the fighter doesn't want it. No, no, you know. But he went out on his shield. I mean, the ref did a great job in stepping in. I think it was a, a absolutely a warranted finish. But um, I mean, going back to the entertainment of it. How good was the walkout? I couldn't even get past oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know who Errol Spencer's um, music performance was. I wasn't familiar. I mean, he was in a well-fed paddock, oh, I'm yeah. telling you what. Like, he was, I mean, shirt open and he had guts for days, <laughs> this this fella. But then, you know, and, you, and like pretty – obviously they come out of the, the hip-hop songs and, you know, the rappers get on there and, and walk the guys out, which is, which is awesome. But for 
Bud Crawford to Eminem. Yeah. Like Eminem to, you know, I, I was actually expecting Eminem to sing a bit more. Yeah. You know, he, he let the uh, let the voice over take over. He sort of just, uh, you know, hyped him up. He acted as the hype man. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, that was a ripper. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. Oh, they've got the entertainment absolutely nailed, don't they? Mm. And, yeah, well, hell of a fight. But, um, yeah, mate, weren't the only fights going on over the weekend. Mate. Yeah, it was a big weekend of fights. So UFC 291. Yep. Did you catch those, mate? Yeah, mate, I caught a few of those. I mate, caught a few of those. So big, big boil over yep. um, in the main event, if we jump straight to that one, mate. So the BMF title. Yeah. What do you know about the BMF title? Mate, not a lot about the BMF title. <laughs> what do you got for me? I, I mean... It's the baddest motherfucker on earth yeah. is what the title is. How does a professional sports organisation get away with that? Like, seriously. like We don't know, but we love it. Mate, I'm, I've even had, like, kids walking up to me in the playground going, oh, who's going to win the BMF? And I'm like... Oh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I could give you my prediction, but I'm like... Oh, it's a bit weird that you be, you know, yeah, suge- yeah. who's with the bad, who's the baddest motherfucker? Yeah, it's like, but anyway, that's the UFC, that's entertainment. Yeah, but um, I mean, it's a crack and fire. Like, yeah. It was, it was, you know, death, and they'd fought before, they'd had a barn burning before, but I mean, um, so it's one apiece now, isn't it? Yeah, so um, we're talking Dustin um, Poirier, Poirier and- versus Justin Gaethje. Yeah, oh, sorry. Yep. Yep. So. Um, you know, going into the fight, I, I probably, if you were to ask me who my pick was, I would have said Dustin Poirier. I yeah. think it just his, his pace and his ability to overwhelm uh, fighters, you know, just not only with his power, but he's, you know, he's just in your face style. How were you feeling um, at, after round one? Um, I it was anyone's game, you yeah. know. I just engaged you did a really, really good job of chopping up that leg, yep. you know, the front leg, and he did that in the last fight. The problem with Justin Gaethje in the past, for those who you know aren't too familiar with with his style, is he has been pretty reckless. You know, he and he's someone who speaks openly about the fact that I'm I'm here for a good time, not a long time. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it on, and I'm getting some brain damage, but I'm getting paid, and I'm doing it my way. You know, so the funny thing about it is he's a very very vicious stand-up fighter, Justin Gaethje. He's also an all-American wrestler. Yep. I don't think I've ever seen him take someone down. No, and he's an all-American yeah. wrestler. So it's it's bizarre that he's that he's that guy. Yeah, he's the BMF. Yeah. I you know yeah I don't care. I've got that in my toolbox. I'm I'm coming at you and I'm I'm throwing hands. Yeah. and you know I'm throwing legs, some brutal legs as well. Yeah. Um. But the the difference is, and I think what wasn't really dived into much in the, you know, the pre-fight sort of hype. These two guys come from very, very impressive camps. So yeah. you've got Trevor Whitman, who works with Justin Gage, and you've got Mike Brown, American top team, who works with Dustin Poirier. Like, we're talking about this is, This was a chess match. Yeah. You know, there was things that occurred in that first fight that were going to be the catalyst for the game plans of the second fight. Yeah. And I think that's where Justin Gaethje has come out and I think he's ended up finishing Dustin Poirier. It was obviously the head kick was something he was looking at. Dustin Poirier has this sort of, 
And they talked about it in the commentary about his ability to roll with punches. You know, I mean, it's the, the sign of somebody who knows how to box. Yep. He's somebody who can defend by just rolling the shoulders. So it looks like they're even getting collected or, you know, punches are touching him. But, you know, they're not doing any damage because they're just rolling off the shoulders. However, Gaethje's thrown the cross with the left and then he's high kicked with the right. Yeah. So they've obviously seen a hole in what in the way Dustin Poirier rolls with his punches that it would set up for that right high kick. Yeah. He did it earlier in the first and he ended up getting the heat kick walk off KO with the with it in the second. Interesting fact for those out there. Trevor Whitman, Justin Gaethje's coach, is also the coach of Kamara Usman, who had his kick head kicked into a stratosphere from Leon Edwards by the same kick. Yeah. So that's a coach. Yeah. I've just watched my fighter get his head kicked off, so I'm going to put that in my back pocket and I'm going to start showing my guys, oh, that's a, that's a good one. I reckon Justin Gaethje could use that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's I mean, interesting, isn't it? it's, it's coaching. Like, and, and, you know, sometimes when you're watching fights, you, you can underestimate, you know, the beauty of those coaches and really the – the uh, the unique minds behind these fighters and yeah it was uh, it was such a good fight though I mean it, it finished earlier than what I expected but um, yeah and th- and I think the thing too is they're two guys who are in a really really good place within their careers yeah I think they're you know to be honest with you if you said Islam Makachev versus Charles Oliveira that's going to be for the title Justin Gaethje versus Dustin Poirier which fight you're tuning in for think there's a good majority that are going for the Poirier Gaethje fight. So, as you said, that's the second time they fought. But um, the last fight was five years ago or thereabouts. Mm. They fought in 2018. So, will there be a, a rubber match now? Will there be a third, or uh, there's just not going to be? Don't know. Cash, I know? don't know. I like. I mean, generally, there's always a story about a third, but I also look at these two guys, where they are in their careers, and how. They fight and they might even just go, you know what? My body can't afford another one. Yeah. You know, just the way those two guys fight, yeah. you know, where it's, you know, and that's something you got to think of, you know, in terms of the longevity of your life after the, your career. You just go, well, do we just walk it off one on one and do we keep, you know, Gaethje's obviously going to chase that world title. Porius probably still got ambitions on that world title, but, you know, you can leave a little bit of yourself in the ring when you fight blokes like that, you yep. know, when you're either Justin Gaethje or Dustin Poirier. So mm, I, I don't know whether it's as straightforward as, as what it would seem. So well, in the in the co-main event, mate, we had Jan Blakovic. So he's a you know, former title holder versus Alex Pereira. So uh, Pereira was obviously... Uh, coming back from his knockout loss to Izzy Adesanya at middleweight, so he made the move up to light heavyweight, which is 20 extra pounds. Yep. So um, obviously, and I mean, he came. He was massive at, at light heavyweight. Yeah. How he makes 185, I, I don't know. I, I am starting to think that maybe he chops a leg off and leaves it, <laughs> leaves it in the hotel room. Like it's, yeah, unbelievable. Um, you know, but it was a really, he won a split decision. It was a very close decision. I can see how he won purely on the the decision credential of damage. Yep. Um, Blakovich got a couple of takedowns, wasn't overly 
sort of progressive with those takedowns. On the feet, Pereira was pushing the pace. He looked very, very much in shape, especially, um, you know, full disclosure for the listeners is this was at altitude. This was at Salt Lake City. So, you know, obviously um, we'll lead into the next fight, but that's something fighters had to be aware of, that it yeah. was going to be tough on the, on the gas tank. Um, but he looked great. And, um, you know, he got the job done in the split decision and, and his wrestling looked a lot better. Yeah. Like, he's obviously working really closely with Glover Teixeira, former champion, you know, really good wrestler, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Um, so, yeah, working working on that. And, yeah, I'm excited to see where he goes next. But, uh, mate, the big one. Oh. The black beast. <laughs> Derek Lewis. <laughs> what do you think, mate? mate. What do you think of the Black Beast? Oh, I love the Black Beast, and you know, probably more his personality out of the out of the cage. What do you What do you think of that fight? Oh well, it, was, uh, it wasn't long, was it? It was no. all over in about um, 15, 20 seconds, and he's just uh, so entertainment personified. This guy, oh, isn't yeah. he? Like, so I, I just love the um, post-fight interview where it's like, oh, so did you have that? So he got in with the um, the running knee, yes, yeah, so the yeah, flying knee, the yeah. flying knee, and he's um, and um, you know, he, he's caught him straight down, basically finished the fight within 20, 30 seconds after that. Um, uh, and oh, so did you have that plan? No, 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 no plan there. So <laughs> just thought I'd throw some shit and see if it lands. Yeah, so. <laughs> And um, yeah, so you Mate, know, he he is unreal. Yeah, so from an en- entertainment perspective, the USC must love him. Oh, absolutely. He um, also too. I talked about it being at altitude, mm. and it is almost like he just went, "Oh fuck this! Yeah. I'm I, if this gets out of a round, this is going to be a tragedy." Yeah. So <laughs> we're 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 getting this done. Come on, let's go. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 one of us are going down this yeah. round. Let's have this happen. It was, um, you know, it was. Oh, I mean, it was great to see. And I mean, he landed that knee flush when he came out. Which oh, was, yeah. Which was brutal. He fin- he finished it with strong ground and pound, and just put um, Delima just in a bad position, who was never getting out of. Um, but yeah, a big win for the Black Beast. I d- I, yeah, I did think at the time Delima like. You know, fair bit of preparation, training, oh, yeah. uh, goes in all fight like that and then you're done like just yeah. like that. It's brutal. Yeah. Um, it's a brutal sport. The Black Beast, Black Beast UFC, at Black Beast UFC is the Twitter handle for Derek Lewis. Now, you've got to get it right because he's shadow banned. <laughs> so if you search Derek Lewis, you'll never get him because Instagram shadow bans him because of the stuff he puts on his Instagram page. Yeah. But it is so funny. Yeah, His Instagram page is just... It's got gruesome videos on there. It's hilarious. I mean, go and check it out. One of the, be- <laughs> one of the best Instagram pages going around. But, um, you know, mate, I couldn't help but be impressed by the final comment before he finished up on the post-fight was, I'm going to get home, I'm going to see my wife, and I'm going to bust up some guts. <laughs> <laughs> get ready, girl. <laughs> like... <laughs> I mean, I speak on a podcast of, of a oh. weekly basis and my wife's, you know, embarrassed with some of the things that I say and I say nothing like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> he is an absolute oh. legend. Yeah. Um, and just a genuine good guy. I know they had, um, you know, they obviously had the flooding in Houston a few years ago and, I mean, there are his images out of this guy in his big souped-up truck, 
you know, saving people and getting people to safety and yeah. stuff. So, you know, just an absolute cracking human as well. So, Derek Lewis, I mean, you're royalty here at the Sports Attention, mate. Well done, mate. Well done. Um, final fight I'll just touch on, Tony Ferguson and um, Bobby Green. You know, Bobby Green was all over him there. Tony Ferguson, a bit of a sad state of affairs for him at the moment. I think it's time to, you know... Maybe look for another promotion or, you know, look for something else. He's not doing himself any favours fighting the tip of the spears, you know. Past it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And um, and Kevin Holland, obviously a big submission win, very impressive. So he reckons he's going back up to middleweight. But, um, you know, big win over Michael Chiesa. So that rounded out the card, mate. Yeah, nice, nice. Really, really good one. UFC 291. All right, all right. So um, bit of F1. Yeah, a bit of F1 to finish us off, mates. The Belgian Grand Prix. I'll give you a prediction. Who won? Oh, mate. Yeah, I'll throw a roughie in there. Was it Maxi? <laughs> Max Verstappen. He does it again. Eight in a row. Um, I believe, is it Vettel? Sebastian Vettel, nine. Yep. Nine is the is the longest winning streak. Um, so he's not far off. Um, Aussie, interested Aussie punters, mate. Oscar Piastri crashed out. So. Yep. I mean, hence the reason why I didn't encourage you guys to punt on him. No, Again, no. you know, I mean, I've got this all dialed in. Yep. Um, we'll and get to that. Daniel Ricciardo, he got 16th. So, I mean, hasn't been setting on the world on fire. I mean, he's just getting comfortable back in the seat. Yep. Daniel Ricciardo. But Probably I'd see really the best of him if he's, you know, a few races. Yeah, still a, still a fair way to go in the season. So, um, you know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he can, yeah, string a bit of form together. Prediction? For Ricardo, Ricardo? Oh, I'd we, like to see him get in the points. Do we see him in the points before the end of the season? Podium might be a stretch. Only, yeah, I, we'll talk points, especially <laughs> in a Tory. Um, yeah, I reckon. Let's get him in the points. Come on, let's get behind him. Yep. Mate, um, eight in a row. Yep. I, you know, I mean, he'd be red hot favourite for nine. Mm. What are some of the best streaks you can think of, mate? Ooh. Best streaks, you know, you you start to think about um, so I, I start to think about uh, champion tennis players. I start to think about Roger Federer. Federer, yeah, yeah he won uh, five U.S. Opens in a way, right? Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah, and I think he won five Wimbledon's in a row, six maybe, no, five, five Wimbledon's in a row mm. as well. So, you know, special, special athlete. Yep, yep. So Rafael Nadal as well. Yep, eighty-one on clay. Yeah, well, eighty-one matches. Yep. 81 tournaments. I know they play some little dodgy clay tournaments around yeah. the place, but you'd be on a, you'd on a, be on a fair tour yeah. trying to win 81 tournaments in a row. Um, golf, mate. Yeah. Byron Nelson's 11 straight PGA wins. Wow. You know, I mean. That is incredible. We're talking, yeah, we're talking the 1940s. Yeah. You know. um, but in, you know, in saying that, that's PGA still, wins. That's impressive. Yeah. It's still yeah. the best of the best. You yeah. Know. Unbelievable. Um, Floyd Mayweather, 50 and 0. Yep, could, could throw him. Yeah. Rocky Marciano as well. I believe Rocky was 49 and 0. He was. But um, a legitimate heavyweight. Mm. You know, Rocky Marciano at a, at a different time. So, um, you know, we always have these little arguments Um about who's the best of all time, this, that and the other, and you try and cross, you know, pollinate different, um, you know, sort of generations. Looking for an answer you're never going to find. Yeah, and, 
you know, you could argue easily. You can go, oh, well, Rocky Marciano would have been, every, you know, anyone who he would have taken on anyone at any yeah. given time, you know, whereas Floyd was, you know, very strategic in the way he set up his fights and this, that and the other. But let's not even bother with the question. Mm. Two great streaks. Yep. Yep. Um, Melbourne Storm, mate, 21 match win streak during mm. COVID. Yeah, wow. We sort of do forget. Like, I know Penrith had a really good streak during that time, 19 I, I'd wins. forgotten that they – 21, I'd like, honestly forgotten they did that. When Penrith won the uh, 2003 Premiership, yep. we had an eight-game win streak, I believe. Yep. Eight or nine. It would have been either eight or nine. And that was a big thing. Yeah. That was like far out. You know, we've broken the win streak. Think about it. You know, we won the Premiership in 91. We'd had really good sides in the late 80s. Yeah. But we had never won more than six or seven games on the trot. Yeah. You know, and then we got an yeah, eight yeah. or a nine win a premiership. We're going, how good's that? And then for the last, you know, three seasons. Just don't lose. You get pretty used to winning. Yeah. So, um, you know. I'll, I'll have to take your word for it. Oh, mate. I'll, <laughs> I'll have to remember it when we're, uh, yeah, when we're picking up wooden spoons in a decade's time possibly. You know, it's you got to enjoy the good times. That's it, mate. That's it. Hopefully they're coming. Uh, speaking of premierships, mate, St. George. Yep. 11 straight. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, no wonder they got um, four immortals from that crop. Mm, and the America's Cup, mate. So this is a bit dodgy. I, I, You know, I love the America's Cup, you know, in terms of the documentary about when Australia 2, it's on the Untold series. It's an absolute ripper. Yep. Check it out on Netflix. Especially when they talk about Benny Lexon. So Benny Lexon, a bloke who, you know, had didn't even finish high school who made the wing curl and they named a Toyota after him. <laughs> you know, like it's just such a it's such an Australian story, the untold America's Cup documentary. It's it's a ripper. The New York Yacht Club had a twenty five time streak, you know, so they won it twenty five times, but it was a hundred and thirty two year streak essentially, because they only race the race every, I think it was five years or, or four years, whatever it was. I don't know. Do the four math years? Like that. Four yeah. years, yeah. It's all like that. Um, so they claim it's a 132-year streak. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll get in. I've got more to come on yeah, that. Oh, yeah. Um, but then they obviously lost it to Australia too. Yep. The wing curl, Benny Lexon, Toyota Lexon. Get it, your local dealer. Um, but the biggest one, mate, Bill Goldberg. Bill Goldberg. 151 match streak, WCW Nitro. Yep. Doesn't get better than that, does that it? Certainly <laughs> does not. Certainly <laughs> does not. Well done, Bill. We love I remember you, even as a kid you watch those and you'd yeah. go and he'd come out. Oh, he's on the streak. Yeah. <laughs> and he'd come in and he'd just tackle the bloke with a spear and then he'd just you do a suplex and then that was it. Yeah. And, oh, there's another one in the streak. They'd be layered there. Oh, mate. It was unbelievable. Bill Goldberg. Um, yeah, Still good going around. Yeah, good actor. Longest yeah. yard. Yeah, longest yard. <laughs> All right, mate. Um, that's it for sport. Mate, let's uh, let's jump into uh, the results from our three-leg multis. Three-leg oh, I'm very excited to talk about this this week. Well, How'd mate, you go, mate? Mate, no good. I, I bet with my heart again. I tipped Parramatta and they were nowhere near it. Mm. Uh, I, I tipped um, Collingwood and they got done in one of the big upsets, although I wasn't the biggest loser on that yeah, from what, what I heard. What was the story of that one? So apparently there was a punter out there who's got on Collingwood 
um, at a dollar forty and chucked a cool million on it. Mm. Uh, I think the tab took the took the punt. Yep. And uh, Collingwood no good. So he's gone all in to get a forty k. Um, uh, oh no, not a forty k. A um, a um, four hundred k. Uh, victory and uh, no good. So I'd imagine he was. Mm. Anyway, but in saying that, if you're putting a million on Collingwood, you're probably not singing for your supper, are you? No, you'd hope not. You'd no. hope not. Mm. Um, I mean, a dollar forty is a tidy favourite, but it's not. I did hear about. It. I did suggest to a, a, a common pal of ours who is a Collingwood fan that if he did need a place to set up his tent, that I've got some, <laughs> I've got some yard, yard space for him here. Yeah, he did um, seem a bit upset the other day. Yeah, he, he didn't. He didn't. Uh, it didn't reply. So I'm assuming that he's okay. Oh, indeed, indeed. But, um, yeah, mate, over to you. Mate, I'm on. Never have I been more of a fan of women's football, mate. Yep. Three out of three. Mate, three, three out, out of three. three. Was it a tidy little win for you? Oh, mate, it was dollar favourites. But you're Every, away. every you're single away. one. Of I got so frustrated with the fact that I hadn't had a win. I think 18 weeks yeah. and I had nothing. You know, I was really showing my true colours as a punter. And um, I think the fans, they would have been losing faith in me. Yep. But I've, I've come up. I've come up good. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on a streak. Yep, you're on a streak. <laughs> I'm on a streak. Yeah, you're going back to the roughies. <laughs> One-week streak. Oh. Uh, and I'm staying away from the fights. Yep. I mean, dead set. Some of the fights that I looked at, I thought, oh, yeah, I have a flutter on that, mate. I would have, I would have been cactus. Yep. Stay away from the rumble and tickle. Mate, um, beautiful. Are we on to the, uh, the final segment, the penis of the week? The big one, mate, the penis of the week. It's been a jam-packed show today. Yeah, mate, certainly has. So I'll, uh, I'll jump straight in if you don't mind. Go in for it, mate. So you'd be aware, and we didn't touch on it, uh, remiss of us, I guess, in the um, in the sporting news, but the Swimming World Championships has been uh, going on at the moment. Yeah, I, I mean, I've heard Channel 9's got the coverage. Yeah. Matt so. Thompson... Has been doing the uh, the commentary, mm. and so Australia's been doing quite well uh, earlier in the week. As we do, yeah, yeah. as we do early okay. in the week, they were um, uh, had ten gold medals, and uh, I'd heard at the time, I you know that was more gold medals than anyone. You beauty on top Absolutely. of the medal tally, no, not on top of the medal tally. Now you've been watching sport for a long time. I know, I yep. know you quite well, mate. I know you're a fan of the Olympics. Why wouldn't you be? Everyone loves the mm. Olympics. And when you're looking at that, how do they rank the top nation all the way down? Is it on the number of medals you've won? Well, depending on what type of medal they are, my friend. That's exactly right, mate. It is the gold medal. The most gold medals you win, the higher up the table. Mm. So technically, you could win zero silver medals. You could win zero bronze medals. But you could win one more gold medal than any other nation, and you'd be the top of the medal tally, wouldn't you? You would think so. That's right. But no, the Americans have decided to change it around mid-competition, and they've created their own tally, mm. which has put them on top, even though they'd only won three gold. because so total medals. Because their total medal tally was higher. Mm. You flogs. Yeah. You are kidding, aren't you? Like, oh, you know, we've played sport. We're competitive people. But you can't just change the rules no. of the game halfway through just because you want to win. That's very. You are joking me. I, the, I saw that, and the only thing 
that made me excited about seeing that table was like, you beauty, I've got my penis of the week. <laughs> and you know what? That uh, was like five days ago yeah. and nothing's taken it. Yeah, couldn't agree more on that. I mean, I've tried to run a little little research here, um, you know, to see whether actually bronze is is heavier than gold. I'm talking about weights, so yep. maybe I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt <laughs> that it might be the weight of the uh, metal would di- oh. distinguish the weight of how the value in the metal table. But, yeah. you know, otherwise, I mean, you'd be looking around an equatorial guinea, you'd be running around with a handful of mercury yep. <laughs> <laughs> to try and get themselves up there. It's very clear. All right, mate. The weight, the weight of a metal on a metal tally... Gold is the heaviest. Gold holds all the weight. Yep. Most gold, because as the great Ricky Bobby Sr. said, if you're not first, you're last. I like it, mate. I like it. And can you, uh, what do you got for us, mate? Penis of the week. Penis of the week. Um, Look, I mean, it's pretty hard to actually, you know, come to the come to the microphone with this one. Um, myself, mate. Oh. I, I am the penis of the week. Um, do you know why? Mate, I do, but I think the listeners need to hear. Look, I, I decided to purchase myself a um, an iced coffee. You wanted um, to be primed for the for the cast? Yeah, I, I just, look, I was at the server, I had to put some diesel in the engine, and um, I decided um, I'll pick up an iced coffee on, on the way through. Pretty stock standard. And um, I thought, you know what, we've got the podcast tonight, so get a double shot. Absolutely. Yeah, no-brainer. And then I've started to drink it, and I'm going, gee, this just, this is a bit awful. Choking it down. Yeah, the old double shot. I was like, oh, man, yeah. Don't know, this one might have been left out in the sun for an hour or two. Anyway, I then looked at the label. No added sugar. Oh, well. Well, there you go. Lactose-free. I mean, that is two strikes to the testicles if I've ever seen it. I am the penis of the week because I have just wasted my hard-earned on an iced coffee double shot that is going to be completely undrinkable. Well, mate, you know what? A well-deserved award. And can I say congratulations, 19 weeks in, and we've and someone, one of us, have finally deserved it. Oh, I reckon, <laughs> I reckon if you run the, uh, the bunker through some of our actions over the last 19 weeks, we probably could have got in there. <laughs> <laughs> All oh, right, mate, that's mate. us done. As I said, it's been a big one today. Two and a half hours. Whoa. Whoa. Big one. I mean, we have dribbled. We have. We have plenty of good content in there, though. Yes. Uh, and as always, guys, uh, let us know what your thoughts are, um, any other topics. If you've got anything, uh, you know, any derogatory comments like our um, assistant coach from north of the border want to swing our way and you want uh, blasted out on the uh, podcast, send them through. Let us know. We're keen you know to know where to get us. Uh, anything else to add, mate, before we finish up? Uh, just want to say good night and uh, keep listening, our loyal listeners. A couple of weeks, the NFL starts as well, so there's going to be yeah, plenty of action coming your way as far as the NFL is concerned. So yeah. stick with us. Mm, absolutely. And for any of our listeners down in Gundagai, home of the Tigers, we say good night. And farewell.